0: In not a soul would look up, not a soul would look up, not a soul would look down, not a soul would look up, not a
1: soul would look down. At first, I didn't notice what a noise the weddings made each station we stopped at. Sun destroys the interest of what's happening in the shade. Down the long, cool platforms, whoops and skirls, I look for porters larking with the males, and went on reading. Once we started, though, we passed the what floor, and pomaded girls in parodies of fashion, heels and veils. Who's there? All posed irresolutely, watching us go, as if out on the in end of an event, waving so goodbye to that something that's Fierce wars and faithful love moralized my lent,
2: song.
1: I come no more to make you laugh. More things curious, now that bear a and a and saw it all again sad, a high, and working the fathers with broad state belts such noble scenes as draw the to foreheads, foreheads. mothers present. loud and fat, an uncle shouting smut and then the perms the nylon gloves and jewelry substitutes, the if lemons bombs the all of love, play on. that. marked off the girls unreally from the rest Yes, from cafes and banquet halls of yards. Now is the winter of my discontent, and bunting-dressed coach party annexes. The wedding days will come. All down, all down the line, fresh couples climb the board. All, all nature's the the art, aren't interact, unknown to me, all chance direction, which thou canst and see, see, all discord, discord, harmony, not a just beast. what it sought to be, all partial children at some the fathers had never known, success so huge and wholly farcical. The woman, the women, there was no possibility of like a happy funeral. It. While Ms. girls, gripping their of handbags tied stared a at her religious or dress, It, is, it is a
2: truth universally with acknowledged the sum of all that a single man in possession of
1: a good fortune must gauges. be in want of a wife. Now fields were building plots, and poplars cast long shadows over major roads. For some fifty minutes, that in time would seem just Sherlock long Holmes enough to settle hats and say, "I nearly died." At his a dozen marriages got from its neat They watched case. the landscape, sitting side by side. Odeon passed, a cooling tower, and someone running up a roll, And none thought. Here is of Edward Baird. They're coming down the stairs now. Bum, and how bum, their bum, lives bum, as far as he knows, the only way of coming downstairs, I sometimes he of feels that there were his another way a moment, didn't think so of like it, like and stuff. then he feels that perhaps there isn't there Anyhow, are. here he is at the bottom and ready for you. To as start. he raced across bright knots of rail, past standing movements, walls of blackened moss came close and it was nearly done. This frail everyone battle. in the village and what held it held stood ready to be by loosed all, with all world, the power and by none more honorably than by her only brother. He slowed unfortunate. Again. And as childhood. the tightening brakes took Mrs. Hold, Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. The like Into the face of the young man who sat on the, on the terrace side. of the Hotel Magnificent. And there had crept a look of furtive shame, the shifty. Hangdog look which announces that an Englishman is about to talk French. It was Miss Lemon, Poirot's efficient secretary, who took the telephone call. Beautifully vague though the English language is, with its meanings merging into one another as softly. Facts of landscape in the moist English climate, and much addicted though we have always been to ways of compromise, and averse from sharp, hard, logical outlines, we do not call a host a guest, nor a guest a host. The scent and smoke and sweat of a casino are nauseating. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. He had, as his publisher proclaimed, achieved an assured and enviable position in contemporary letters. Ours is essentially a tragic age, so we refuse to take it tragically. The cataclysm has happened, we are among the ruins, we start to build up new little habits to have new little hopes. It is rather hard work, there is now no smooth road into the future, but we go round or scramble over the obstacles. We've got to live, no matter how many skies have fallen. This was more or less Constance Chatterley's position. The war had brought the roof down over her head. She had realized that one must live and
0: learn. What?
1: Sexual intercourse began in 1963, which was rather late for me, between the end of the Chatterley Band and the Beatles' first and i end either with a death no period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received, for good or for evil, in the superlative degree. Here is 2023, according to one storyline, and we are living in a time of narrative chaos. There is no doubt whatsoever about that. We all know it. What else is new? The realities we occupy have never seemed more unreachably disconnected, and yet, as disconnected realities go, they have never felt so similar in their unreality. We are disconnected in strange ways and united in even stranger ways. We are united, for example, by our impotence to do anything about anything ever. That's why politics is seeped into everything. There is communion to be found in impotent rage. But that communion is fragile. It shatters Anytime time a single bedfellow dares to take some kind of consequential action, such as getting out of bed. We have all been molded into the aging actress nobody wants to fuck anymore who must shout me too to get cast into some news cycle where she matters again. The Jews are Catholics, the Catholics are trannies, the Protestants are on YouTube. The wives are girl bosses, the husbands are wives, gossipy stay-at-home wives. Everyone is their stupid little ugly dog, especially the men at coffee shops in Silver Lake, who love to tell you that you should pet from the bottom instead of the top of the head because their stupid little ugly dog is a rescue. You see, they're good people. And that's why they had to leave Christmas dinner at their aging parents' house after 15 minutes because to feed their stupid little ugly rescue dog, who is their best friend. Because no real bitch has any love to give them, because no matter how hard they try to resemble one, they can never be as lovable to a millennial girl boss as an actual stupid little ugly dog at a coffee shop in Silver Lake. Oh, and people have also now discovered a way to be both Muslim and gay, which is like being gay twice. I'm tired. I'm tired, as you can tell. I'm so Eeyore lately. I'm seeing a lot of rain. And I'm not seeing too many rainbows. And you know I always be hunting for rainbows. But even when you find one, they disappear. You stick your fist out and it goes right through. You can't see where they begin. You can't see where they end. They just float off. Rainbows. Rainbows. The lunch hour flings of the sky. There's always been rain and there's always been Januaries. There's always been chaos. There's always been competing narratives. I know this, but something has changed. In the before time, chaos, I believe, occurred more locally. A world existed beyond the stage of every narrative war, and in that world, a jury would eventually arrive at a verdict that would eventually be accepted. But where's the jury now? The juries now are lone voices in the wilderness. Sometimes they form into little choruses, but their verdicts, regardless, are not accepted. They are only heard, if at all, by those who want to hear them or by those who are lost in the same wilderness and are desperate for a smart and friendly or funny voice to follow. My guest in this adventure is one of those voices. He operates on Twitter under the name of Yerk, and his followers at this moment, number 22,000. He is a doctoral candidate with an appreciation for the stored knowledge and ideas of the before time. And he occupies a sort of lucid philosopher position, in the invisible republic of minds I have been living in for the last couple years. He lives and grew up in a city, which is a veritable palimpsest of the narrative imagination. Palimpsest! That's a big word. Why don't I look it up before going any further? Let's see. It means a manuscript or piece of writing material on which the original writing has been effaced to make room for later writing, but of which traces remain. It is also the title of a memoir by Gore Vidal, a writer currently being portrayed in a play on the West End opposite a Black Bill Buckley. And for all that effort, I don't know if I've chosen the right word. What I mean to say is that London is a city that seems not only to contain but to be ruled by narrative chaos. As with bombs, there's no amount of narratives this city can't handle. In fact, no matter who you are or when you visit, there's probably one waiting for you. Try as we try to escape the power of this city and the power of its crown, we somehow always find ourselves crying at the Queen's funeral, or being extremely tedious in our refusal to cry at the Queen's funeral. Because at least one, if not several dozen, of London's narrative creations has taken root in our mind. And no matter how lost you feel, when visiting this hundred-acre wood of narratives, this metro wilderness of tubes and undergrounds and storylines overlapping like crooked teeth, a plot or two always seems to grab you. And you are never completely offstage. Something will happen to you. No matter where you are from or where you are going, something or someone will draw you in and give your character a seat at the tail. And by the way, how come nobody told me that D.H. Lawrence wrote a short story about a daughter who chooses to upset her mother's values by running off with an Armenian known to her mother as the Turkish Delight? I was in London for a couple screenings of a film I produced called Invisible Republic about the disputed Invisible Republic of Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh, that is currently under genocidal attack by a heinous authoritarian power, which has disconnected all its access points to the rest of the world in the dead of winter to starve and freeze the people away. The movie is called Invisible Republic. You can watch it now on virtual cinema at invisiblerepublicfilm.com. We had to release it in an emergency fashion worldwide I invited Yerk to the London premiere at the Courthouse Hotel, and while it may seem like a rather heavy introduction to me, since we had never met, I had already started to suspect that the feeling of living in an invisible republic, cut off from the greater world and unrecognized by its juries, was maybe not so unfamiliar to anyone I have met in the last couple years. The screening went well. Nobody moved from his or her seat. There were cameos in the Q&A from the BBC, the House of Commons, MI6. I didn't get to hang out too much with Yerk at the reception after, but a few days later, we met up for a long stroll around London town, its parks and cafes and pubs, passing its authors and shopkeepers indentations of narratives of all kinds through time. Explicitly, I wanted to investigate the quintessential London character that draws its power from being able to govern all those narratives. And, of course, I wanted to know what Yerk thought of the film and of its people. Did he relate? If there is one source of hope for invisible people and invisible republics, voices in the wilderness, for those of us cursed with an acute awareness of living in a disconnected reality, in this retarded new world of exponential wilderness, of ever distorted channels between ever more separate forests, it is, of course, the past. Not because the past is better or remotely attainable, but because in the past you find great Narrative surprises, miracle third acts, discoveries and rediscoveries again of what was completely lost. The past is where you find proof of rebirth, a cue from history that might draw you back into the light, back onto the stage of men and of nations. Sometimes that cue can just be a sound.
3: An ominous
1: beat that comes out of nowhere as Yurk and I rest for a Scottish egg. A beat that seems to belong to a very old English folk song, which unknown to me at the time, provides the melody and inspiration for another song a bit more recent, a song that has played on this podcast twice In two different versions, in the beginning of Amanda Bilius on Sunset Strip, and at the end of The Girl from Baku. Perhaps you can make the connection yourself and help me figure out why
0: it exists.
2: When I got there,
0: not so did I. stood around are looking at me so I called for a quark to drive gladness away to stifle the dust for it
1: Up, <laughs> no, Thank you for no, for, no, for no, breaking no. the shit and making it out here. Oh, yeah, no worries. I'm
4: just sorry it's not looking like that much day for you.
1: But it's a, it is a quintessentially it's, it's, English day, isn't it? Absolutely,
4: yeah, yeah.
1: Like, this is what you always hear about. And also, the World Cup game is happening right as we speak. Did you know this? Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I will not be able to like say anything insightful about that. Oh no, I don't need any it's, uh, insight.
1: It's just I think it's just it's going to provide some possibly. Um, well, it's not going to be. It's not a competitive game because they're playing Iran. Right. So it's already two nothing at halftime. But I was I was hoping while we were walking we'd be hearing like eruptions of uh, <laughs> dr- of like of midday drunken glory from the pubs. Uh, it's left a possibility. Running, you know.
4: I don't know. It is a Monday.
1: It uh, is a Monday, yeah. But you would think that th- the country st-
4: yeah. stops like a... It's a, an important event.
1: Yeah. So... Uh, I ate here a couple days ago. German Gymnasium. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So you're, uh, like, you're standing near here? I'm staying, like, yeah, like, about a 15-minute walk from here. Oh, cool, cool. Just up the, just up the whatever this way. Alright. Did you have any,
4: like, uh, days about where you let's go, or...? uh...
1: You know, not really, I don't have, I'm so, like, I'm so out of, um, I mean, I've, you know, I've hit up all the kind of, not all of them, I've hit up, like, over the years, scattered some of the big tourist spots, you know? Right, yeah. So, I don't have, like, this hungry sense of like I I want to do this but I know the shit that I know that there's stuff that I would absolutely adore like I bet I bet there's like probably a uh, Noel Coward little gay museum somewhere that I don't even know about just like the Noel just like it's just his witticism it's just like his various little Noel Coward things floating around in the air and you interact with them and I know like the Noel Coward house I would if that doesn't exist I would i would try to open oh, I one i
4: wish i wish i could tell you
1: not, <laughs> I, I never like really i don't uh, give a shit though i would really just want to you know your england is a, is the only england that matters to me
4: okay well i mean we can, we, i was thinking we could walk down to your london i should say and uh from there we can kind of like go for a wander around Bloomsbury. That sounds fun. Um, it'd be nicer if, like, there are some nice parks there. I wish it'd be nicer if it was sunny. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I know, but I still feel uh, like this is how it should be because this is eth- this is more yeah. authentic. Yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, Londoners don't have a reputation for being gloomy,
4: do they? Uh, is that a thing? Because I don't notice it if it is. It's like um, it's so close to me that it's, uh, it's hard to say, I think right. you, in a way you kind of need like a, a person from somewhere else to come. Yeah. To, uh
1: well, I'm that person from somewhere else, and... <laughs> yeah, you need the
4: like, outside observer.
1: <laughs> my, outside, my outside observation is that it's not gloomy at all, Oh,
4: well, and, thank you.
1: and so I think that, who are, I think that the people are, I mean the, the personality, obviously the weather is pretty gloomy th- these days, yeah, but yeah. It gets dark at 4 o'clock, like I thought for some reason, because I, I don't really understand science. <laughs> so I, I, thought, I thought that, well, this is North. So doesn't the North countries, don't they stay lighter, longer? Or is that just in the summer? I don't know. But like in L.A. it gets dark, re- like, later than this, and LA's all the way like down. Around, yeah.
4: around this time of year, you have.
1: Yeah, around this yeah. time of year. I mean, overall, L.A. just doesn't... LA's like compared to... You know, some places in the North are light in the summer till 10, 11 p.m. LA LA kind of maxes out at eight, you know?
4: Okay, yeah. Um, No, it gets like, I mean, it gets, we're in that period now where it gets super dark really early. And, uh, you know, it's like, the the great temptation is for me to just, like, be staying in my, like, warm bedroom all day. Yeah. You know, under the pillows.
1: <laughs> right. It's it's very tempting. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've I have never been so deep in sleep as I have been these last few nights in in London. Like. Oh really? Oh my God! I have been so. I mean, I've had to wake up earlier than I wanted by a lot every night, every morning.
4: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, just because I've been going to bed so late, and but man, have I been deep! I've been like.
4: Yeah. I mean, this woo. is like. You know, London is. Um, I've
1: been like flying on broomsticks. I'm in like, you know, Mary Poppins with a an umbrella, <laughs> just
4: flow, just like going through chimneys and chimneys and chimneys. Right yeah, cool. yeah, here we go. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, what can I say? London is the city that sleeps. The city that sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> the city that in fact sleeps.
1: Yeah, that's good for, good for London. Maybe that's why they're not so fucking gloomy. They're getting all that good dark sleep.
4: Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know. I I've never been to New York, but like I you know, I know like the stereotype is that like people are kind of uh, brisk. Uh, they're on, on their the way. Yeah,
1: that is the stereotype, and you know, to a degree, it is very noticeable. Um, what's,
4: what's like the um? You're you're from LA, right? Or uh, I'm
1: from LA. Yeah. Yeah. What's like the LA stereotype? The LA stereotype is is uh it's it's so weird because it's so there's like so many different competing ones you know right. but one of them is yeah, that, that one of them is uh laid back california cool vibes so, yeah. da, 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 whatever and then <laughs> then the other one is like stuck in traffic all day murder mad you know like there's all kinds of competing stereotypes about it like nobody really has a grasp of la very well um it really depends on your subculture right uh yeah it's it's and it's not it is true that you know among the transients the transients are far more laid back in la but if you talk, but LA's a work town. LA's a town where that's, that's revolves around work and 5 a.m. call times, if we're just even keeping it within the Hollywood cliche right. industry, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly, so there's a fair amount of like intensity, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, yeah. which, which isn't doesn't really get uh, remarked upon. Um, but yeah, they're definitely like verbally, it doesn't have the uh, pugilistic it does. It doesn't have the verbal, pugilistic element of life that New York has, which I actually really like right. about New York, because yeah. I can have that. Because I'm fairly bombastic, so I tend ah. to I tend to get along in New York, right, right, just naturally better than L. A. Oh. Yeah. Have you Have you ever heard of a uh, a writer called Michael Morcock? Michael Morcock. Moorcock? Mm, I don't think so. Moorcock. More, Moorcock. Michael Moorcock. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, I have not. Well, was, I would have definitely remembered.
4: He was like a, uh, a fantasy writer who was based there around, like, uh, kind of around Noying Hill, okay. in the 60s. And he was part of this, like, generation of kind of avant-garde sci-fi fantasy writers. Uh-huh. Like, uh, J.T. Ballard, for example. Right, I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, but I once came across a really obscure book by him, which is his just travel diary of uh, going around LA. Yeah, and like doing cocaine with bikers and uh, stuff like that. And right. But I mean, like it's a really underrated piece of writing by him. And, What's it called? Uh, I can't remember oh. now. I'll have to have a look at it at when when home. When I you find it, uh, I yeah. found it in. A bookstore in Hills Market.
1: By oh, Street. lovely.
4: Yeah.
1: I love the random bookstores that pop up here. Yeah. Left and right. I mean, it's one of the great... I mean, you know, this is very uh, obvious, but, like, I always had a sense of London as this city of, like, city of literary imagination because of so much... You know, we don't even recognize yeah. the extent to which it's the setting of our... Lot of our literary uh imaginations from the kid from just like children on like a- yeah, at every yeah. level you know and then especially because like i got i nerded out what big time see? on on uh agatha christie and stuff
4: oh lovely yeah before
1: yeah. I, I got into serious literature and i mean before i got into litter you know before i got into uh higher end stuff and Fuck! I mean, I I have like I've I I love the David Suchet Poirot series. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. them all a million times with forever going back to when I was twelve. With like bonded over with so many different people with they that.
4: They really have that like cozy uh, uh, kind of vaguely like orientalist Yeah, like magic to them. You know? Love
1: the like, vaguely Orientalist yeah. magic. The vom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and David Suchet is really great. Yeah. And he does this thing where. He does a thing where he takes a character that is, by every single other actor who has tried to, uh, who has tried to embody Hercule Poirot, has done it as a joke. Every yeah. single yeah. one. Peter Ustinov did it as a joke. Uh, the one who did it in um, Murder on the Orient Express, like the the Sydney Lumet production. Mm-hmm. Here's a pub that's popping because oh, of all yeah, the. Oh yeah, there uh, you go. This is like this is the. Uh, this is the out where, the, where yeah. those like sh- outbursts are going to come from. Inga lounge. Inga Yeah, they're all now. Yeah, it is still halftime. Um, so David Suchet, all these characters treat him as like this joke uh, caricature, right? Yeah. But he actually yeah. like invested him with complete and total uh sincerity yeah and that was it's such a thing to behold well that's
4: that's what you need to do with those like larger than life characters
1: yeah is
4: you have to like play them completely straight and uh
1: because because that that's what causes the magic because the whole point is that yeah yeah, they're unreal these are they are they are these unreal characters yeah but if you can then If you can then, like, inject them with your reality, that's what causes the magic. You're like, and you're not fucking apologetic about it, and you're not like wink-wink, joke, you know, like, every single one of them does it with a tongue-in-cheek. Every... It's such a revelation.
4: It's kind of, you get a similar, uh, cosiness from the, um, you know, Alan Moore's, like, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, graphic novels. Oh, I didn't, I haven't, I'm not familiar with them. With, what's, the char- what's the character there like? Well, so they're, they're basically, like, the, the premise is that, like, they're in a, a world where all fiction is true. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's, so there's, like, the immediate appeal of that, of, like, reference and, you know, like, oh, like, it's, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Frankenstein. Right, and right, the, like, right. But he actually is very, like, meticulous about it. He's making, he uh, makes it like they're actual real people. He, well, he makes it kind of like historical. Okay. So all the timelines have to more or less line up. Yeah. But it's also like, it kind of expands into this vast, like, parallel history of Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where you have like the Trojan Wars, and it's like basically kind of all in there, and there's even like a, uh, an al- almanac. Uh, in prose, right? at like the end of one of the books where it's like this huge travel diary And it's like everywhere from like Twin Peaks to Moomin Valley you know? Oh, that's so cute Yeah I haven't, I'm not, uh, this that
1: sounds like a very uh, charming Yeah. concept And
4: it's like you have like Franz Kafka's the castle coexisting with e- Enid Blyton's Toy Town Right You know, they're on the same like surface Right But you also get this like really great carnival-esque sense of like There are all these kind of like titanic figures like Alan Quatermain or Captain Nemo, and like po- Poirot is kind of like, I was just thinking about like, you know, playing him straight, because right. he's such a kind of like otherworldly, you get this real sense of these like otherworldly characters packed together and forced yeah. to contend with one another. But you know?
1: are they also packed, it sounds to me like they're also packed together and contending with like worldly fictional characters, because if you have yeah. Franz Kafka, if you have Kafka in the same place as Agatha Christie, that's a very interesting neighborhood, you know yeah, what I mean? <laughs>
4: yeah, and that's the other great thing is you have these like characters coming out from their own sort of context. Right. And being forced yeah. to exist in a new context. That's interesting. You know. Yeah,
1: I'm 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 down to look into that. I'm not a graphic novel person. I've never ever meet, ever read really? ever read a graphic novel. But
4: that has my interest just well, because I'm a nerd about it also has a nice like geographical uh, psychogeographical well, dimension to it because like their base is the british museum yeah okay you know? oh okay and uh and then the other thing was in the second volume which is uh H. U e. wells you know martians invading mm-hmm. uh, they go on this kind of uh reconnaissance kind of mission into the sussex downs yeah you know, like in southern england and that's like where my grandma used to live so and they also, like, go through Wapping as well.
1: Yeah, Sussex Downs.
4: Way. So, like, it, there was something really strange about it. Like, all these places from my life Yeah, were appearing in, in this double, like, house as well.
1: Yeah. Is there uh, a certain reputation that people have from Sussex Downs where, like, they're a little bit slow and you could tell them, well, that guy has Sussex Downs?
4: <laughs> I mean, I, think, I It's uh, just an idea, you know. It'll I I work. Mean, like, the place that I'm familiar with is, like, full of, like, uh pleasant little old ladies oh okay yeah uh, so
1: maybe if you if like you see a normal young man have an unpleasant little old lady disposition you would tell you would say of him he's got sussex down
4: i mean maybe maybe uh, i don't know i don't know if i like, just catching yeah
1: know, no we'll like, we have uh, to i'm just trying to throw i'm going to cast out all these like pebbles and uh, all these yeah. seeds all this bait no, and see good. what i can what i can generate right here, here. Like, yeah
4: but that's—I have yes, to look into right. that. So what's it called again? The uh, League of Extraordinary D- Gentleman. Oh, okay, that's right. I've seen yeah. the movie. Right. Yeah, that was a, that was a movie. They changed a bunch of things. I still right. think that's kind of a fun movie. To be fair, I mean. I enjoyed it. I remember. I mean, it's been a while. But yeah. I mean I was that, like, Yeah, it's fun. That has some of that like, you know, David mm-hmm. Susskind, <laughs> like uh, Orientalism to it. Yeah,
1: yeah it was definitely slightly... a over the top situation. Yeah. I mean, they did it like a superhero movie. Yeah. As
4: yeah. I yeah. Well, I think the original premise. Um, for the comics was like it would be like a Justice League of America but of like Victorian literary heroes. Oh okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was the that was the vibe of the movie for sure. Yeah yeah
1: yeah. But Although, yeah we were talking about but the reality of but you're saying that it's, it's, it's very invested it's invested with a great deal of
4: yeah, like Yeah like, uh, like personal significance for me yeah. like geographically you know. Um. And so that's that, that uh, that's another way of I mean
1: basically B- basically that graphic novel is how I is how London exists in my mind.
4: Yeah, I mean actually the later editions as well uh, which take the story up into the 20th century so you have like characters from heroes and and uh, lost and stuff like that. Right. kind of in the background. Um, but that centers on King's Cross as like a focal point as well where right. we just been. So, uh, yeah, he's, he, you know, more is like a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, like sort of of place and things like that. Right. Um, you know, he also did like a really great Jack the Ripper book. Oh, that's good. Book uh, From Hell, which features, you know, that that's like set around Whitechapel. Right. Obviously. Uh, and I, w- I was like born in a hospital in Whitechapel, so. Do you love London? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, in- intensely familiar to me, you know.
1: It, it, it's it's so um, I keep forgetting how big it is because oh, really? well I'm used to being you know I'm used to being from the biggest city uh, one of the biggest cities in the world mm. in terms of geographic layout which is LA yeah but yeah. this is big at a different on a different scale um, because it's you know dense uh, all the way it's oh, so yeah, dense yeah. and yet it's also endless whereas New York I have a I feel like I have a grasp of New York like very easily. New York is like a big rectangle, a Manhattan, basically. Yeah. I have, a I have like a real grasp of Manhattan as just this rectangle. Well, <laughs> like
4: you have like the grid pattern, right? Like yeah, it's, it's, it's totally grid. It's
1: very, stuff. it's very easy to get around here. Yeah. It is not at all easy to know where. Like for me, <laughs> speaking for myself, it is not at all easy to know where the hell I am no, at any like moment. it's a,
4: a big like squashed network.
1: It's so squashed, and yeah, now that they've yeah. now that they've sprinkled in the uh, neoliberal uh, condominiums, as we call them. Yeah, there, I am <laughs> frequently in, in a place where I'm like, I don't even know if this is London anymore and, but you turn around and you see some old-ass buildings and you're back in Mary Poppins
4: like, Yeah, yeah, well I mean this is like also another, another right I was going to mention it. Ian Sinclair uh, he, who like has written a lot about like these walks through London uh, so he did, a, his most successful book I think was London Orbital London Orbital. He, he walks around the M25 motorway Okay um, And that actually passes through some places that are closer to, uh close to home for me but um, he always, his, his last book was called The Last London and that's basically about his kind of farewell to the city as it, it kind of gets increasingly like virtualized oh i by, see by uh, like uh, development. yeah it's a uh, you
1: know i've always been the uh, pro development guy all my life oh, so yeah. i I've, I've always been the you know you libertarian capitalist uh, no, you right. know hey ho let's like 23 skidoo let's uh, let's add another but, but, you know, at, I mean, but at, not, at it, the same time as my aesthetic tastes developed, I have to take note of like, well, this fucking uh, little, par- like little condo park over here is a major eyesore. Yeah, I <laughs> and, mean, you know, and I don't feel good being in it, sorry. I'd rather be surrounded by this building over here. What, what I really Square. like about
4: him is just like you get this like texture of place, you know, where... There is, I mean, there's something about, like, even the, just the texture of his prose itself. Yeah. That kind of, uh... The London Orbital guy. Yeah, so it's kind of, like, everything is, it's just full of these, like, surfaces of, like, uh, with these kind of strange, like, uh, like industrial parks and, uh, like, like, condominiums and stuff like that. And he, like sort of riffs on the the sort of strange like names that are given to these places like, oh yeah because there are strange names yeah here. they do be a lot of strange fucking names. yeah well because they'll call it something like you know floral park and then it will just be this like nondescript industrial building or something right so there's this kind of weird like
1: right Flo- oh, tension, yeah. you know It's like, a, is it is it like intentional irony in a lot of these names like is that what motive? Because you well, know there is a certain sense of humor.
4: Well, I think what's what's like alienating about it is that it's actually like the withdrawal of any kind of conscious intention that would you could ascribe that kind of ironic play to. Right. <laughs> you know, like. Um, but yeah, I remember London Orbital has a really wonderful description of like a bus stop. Oh, right? I have like to get this book. Leonard. An average London bus stop. I think you would enjoy it actually. Yeah, I wish I'd read
1: it before before this. Because well, I we mean, we could have done an well, orbital. We could have orbited the London Orbital.
4: Yeah, I, I have a meaning to reread it because uh, there's a guy I'm going to do a podcast with about it. But this is like a nice little. Oh yeah. You know. I'm you gonna know. by
1: next time. I'm gonna have read it. This is a cute park, with very autumnal vibes right now. Yeah, but you can go and have a look at it. What well, it's like very autumnal. I've never yeah. seen such autumnal. Uh, like the leaves are just piled all over this place. All, all this all is the leaves beautiful. Around. This is like a fucking Monet painting here. This is like, I have to take a picture. Do you mind if holding my mic? Yeah. Because it's just like...
4: I didn't even notice you carrying that.
1: <laughs> wow. My little Russian. Sorry, mate. My little Russian. Um, let me take a picture. I'll take a picture with you in it if you don't... Well, I don't know. You want to be private, so I don't... Oh,
4: it's, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's, I'll take uh, one with you. Just to, <laughs> yeah,
1: this is so cute, though. I mean, I've never... I haven't, like, walked into such a, like, <laughs> autumn detritus...
4: If you'd like me to do anything, I'll pose, yeah. Just. Uh, I'll let
2: you These are good. These are good.
1: It's like. Yeah, and I, I imagine was, if the sun was shining, it would be yeah, especially I mean, beautiful. I
4: have been here in those conditions, and it's uh, it's mm-hmm. very lovely.
1: What's the um, name of this park?
4: Well, I was just gonna say if I if I was like an ideal guest, I would know. Oh, okay. But,
1: uh, <laughs> you see, that's the thing, you can I have don't. this beautiful park and still like, who knows what the hell it is. It's like one of a million. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, again, this is just my like, the consequence Wait, of my life. What I'm language is that? The, uh, that's not English. Oh, this is, is Rabindranath this? Tagore. He's like an Indian poet.
1: The Prince of Wa... Oh, he's in it. Oh, Rabindranath Tagore. Okay. Yeah, Indian never- poet, philosopher, and first Nobel laureate from Asia. Unveiled by H.R.H. the Prince of Wales on 2011. So I wonder if this park is named after him or he's just, you know, it found could himself be, it a f- could be. friendly perch. Rabindranath Tagore. Yeah,
4: he's supposed to be very good, I've never read him.
1: Alright, well, well, this is great. It It says something there. Garden kiosk. Cafe. Cafe Uh, pop. A little. A little. uh, That's also cute. I want to take a picture of that. That looks like a a little storybook.
4: Yeah, they got the real like uh, (laughs) kind of country cottage vibe.
1: Right in the middle of concrete, concrete swirl. We have this like beautiful park.
4: Well, that's kind of like the nicer residential areas of London. They're now all like. uh, you know, MC because they're like owned by <laughs> <laughs> like oligarchs. But oh
1: yeah, they're all owned by Russian oligarchs. Yeah, I forgot yeah. About that. yeah.
4: But like um, the the they all have like parks in the center, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um.
4: That's another thing I want to talk
1: about is like uh, the fact that so you know something I notice about I I well with you I'm getting like a real London person, but like. Something I noticed in my like rep, my um, takeaway rep- idea of London is that there's a certain, it gets so cosmopolitan that I don't even know oh, yeah, what yeah. it represents anymore. Because with Amer- okay, any American city, anyone who goes to an American city, whether they're admitted or not, they're trying to be American, right? Right, right. Like, if you go to if New York, LA, whether you, whatever, however specific your little dream is, or your ambition, you're still trying to be American, you're going there. Mm, Uh, Same with Paris. Like, if you're going to Paris, you're trying to be French in a way. Um, Same with anything in Spain, I feel, you know, you're trying to be a little Spanish in your lifestyle or whatever Mm -hmm. if you're gonna move to Barcelona or whatever. But here, I feel like there's so many people who just come here with zero intentions of becoming English. Mm -hmm. Is that that accurate or am
4: I just kind of overstating it? i mean it's i think it's it's like quite a, like cosmopolitan sort of like international city you know and you tend to hear like a lot of languages around like on the tubes and stuff like that um i mean it's kind of been that way pretty much my entire life as far as I can tell so i've never like I've never had some kind of sense of like uh of loss or like there's been a loss of authenticity or something mm-hmm. but I'm sure that other older people do you know I mean I'm, I'm kind of like a latecomer. <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> you you're know? a young man you're like yeah. you're in your 20s right uh, I'm, I just turned 30
1: this oh, year oh congratulations yeah. on making it to the big three zero.
4: yeah um no I'm not as like freaked not out about not, it as I like, yeah. thought I would be but um it's not if nothing to
1: freak 30 is the beginning of your prime
4: yeah, that's, I, mean, that's prime, I mean,
1: I would say your prime youth, your prime <laughs> youth, starts at thirty. In these days, like this isn't the old days where people were yeah uh, were fucking and sucking at fifteen and going around partying anymore. No, we're all like sheltered little weirdos who like oh, can't so do anything until the age of thirty. Yeah,
4: that's really really true. Um, but I mean, you know, I guess uh, there was like the whole, the whole like Windrush generation as well of like uh, kind of uh, afro Caribbean people. Yeah, um, I wish I knew more about that. Like I could kind of. I was Could just at I was of, uh, just at a
1: jazz festival yesterday briefly where somewhere that I can't, I can't remember south of the Thames is it called the Thames or the just Thames. Thames Thames okay, yeah, the yeah. Thames south of the Thames and uh, yeah it was an Afro Cuban uh, like oh, cool. jazz yeah, festival yeah. it was full of people yeah and uh, it was like a you know massive like 25 piece band was getting ready started to play uh, I like African music, you know, cause it's like, it's all the same. Yeah. And you can yeah. just sort of like imagine yourself doing a nice little salsa dance in Miami.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think just like, I feel like by the nineties, um, you know, I feel like those uh, people are pretty well integrated. So they're, you know, like their children or children's children are like in my, in my class at school and stuff like that. So it's just uh, like, that feels very normal to me. Yeah. Like. Um, I'm sure, like, not that there weren't, obviously, like, yeah. tensions in the 70s and 80s about that kind of stuff,
1: but... The, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. Clear, I'm, there's clearly, you know, this is like a European issue with these tensions and this and that and the immigrant waves and the Muslim immigrants and the fact that there's a mayor that's Muslim now of London, Right. which, yeah, crazy, yeah. which I don't see... Like I, I I take everything in stride, but on the way here I was like, really? London has a Muslim mayor named Khan right now? Is this crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. me? What the? But fuck? then he's
4: he's like a pretty kind of like you know bourgeois, like uh, I'm sure. just a regular guy kind of thing. Like, um, what's your take on him overall? Like beyond that, is there? Uh, any I'm just I'm just like so indifferent to, to uh, uh, UK okay. politics. I don't know. No,
1: yeah, because I, I all, mean, you know all we get is all I get is the drudge headlines. Well, yeah, I, okay, I don't yeah. I don't pay attention to drudge anymore, but. I you you like that you get the outrage you get like when he's done something you know super libtardy uh, headlines and it doesn't mean oh yeah I'm sure I'm yeah, sure he's a bougie yeah. ass I mean you don't get to be l- mayor of London by uh, yeah yeah you know uh, by by like maybe by weaving baskets in your home like
4: so but yeah I mean but then you know obviously I'm kind of biased because like my my like frame of reference is kind of like there's you know there's some kind of disconnect between. Uh, like the world of Twitter and then um, the sort of like material walls. Oh yeah. I just kind of, you know. But I mean, that's another thing about London now that kind of relates to what you're saying because a lot of the time it just has a kind of like uh, incidental quality to it. <laughs> incidental quality. Like where it or because it's become so like virtualized that it's just like these uh, places just become sort of thoroughfares that you, you you're passing through. Yeah. You know yeah it um yeah
1: it's like that but that's part of i think what i'm trying to finger as my yeah yeah my uh disorientation because i've i've had yeah it's a disorienting place yeah and this is one reason why i have this because i've been now several times for you know usually for some sort of reason um almost never for pure pleasure uh like the first time was 2009. I think I came, and I stayed in Clapham. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clapham or Clapham, I can't remember. How do you pronounce uh, it? Clapham. Like Clapham. Yeah. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah.
1: And of course. I mean, it, I get I get these things wrong as well. There is a there is a paro called there's a paro called, uh, a paro called uh, the Adventure of the Clapham Cook. So that's how I knew about it. Right, right, right. I stayed in Clapham because we had a family friend posted me. Um, and so that was kind of like, you know, out of the like, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was just, yeah, I was in England for the first time. And, yeah. You know, didn't know what the heck I was doing. And then, you know, gradually uh, that I, I learned to stay closer to shortage <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the last few times um, and got a better sense of the fun part of, of, of London. But each time I never had. I always enjoyed it when I was here. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, but then when I would leave, I'd be like you know I'm not itching to come back
2: you <laughs> right you know right.
1: whereas I do itch for some certain other places yeah yeah and but yeah, every time I do come like really cool things happen uh-huh. <laughs> all the time <laughs> it, including this trip like including with with no expectations just like cool shit has happened so I have and I think it's this difficulty of it's this disoriented feeling about what I, what it was, what it like, what it actually is, despite the experiences always being there, yeah, and the yeah. possibilities always being there. But now that I know, or now that I, I retain this definition of London as a place where something interesting is always going to happen, uh, that's what I'm going to try to like retain, and that's what's going to motivate me to want to, you know, oh, yeah, to well, come back more frequently. That's
2: good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it's competing with, you know, the, my point being, like, it's, for me it's very easy to carry Berlin away from, with me when I go to Berlin, or right. Barcelona away yeah. with me, or Paris. I mean, I, I have actually not that much experience with Paris in terms of a, as a grown-up, but I still have a sense of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that I can carry away with me. And my sense of London gets fractured. I, is a kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Which yeah. Is
4: but I just, I just think that as well. You know, that in a way, it, it, it like reflects a, a kind of material fragmentation as well. You know. And yeah. I, and I think even like, I mean, obviously, other cities have like subway systems and stuff like that. So I'm not saying it's like necessarily unique in this regard, but you know, my like uh, actual experience of it. Is like literally fragmented by the fact that you know it's like always mediated by the, the underground yeah you know so like instead of building up a topography of the city and how it connects you end up with this like you know you're you're like entering and exiting from different portals yeah you know into different places and especially when you're a kid it's not immediately apparent to you how they connect up with one another yeah you know? and there's often like when I have just done a sort of drift around the city, kind of like we're doing now, like, it's like these kind of, uh, you stumble upon the actual, like, physical connections, you know, yeah, lines yeah. that like, uh, are, or like pathways that like, bind the whole thing together, right? And there's this kind of like strange aha moment, you're like, ah, oh, this is like, this is how these things uh, are related to one another, and yeah. it always have been, you know?
1: Yeah, right, you find, it's that—that's something that I've always, on this uh, filthy Armenian adventures experiment that I've been on for a year now, have been one of my most enjoyable little like tasks has been to find these connecting tissues and elements within sure, these within yeah, the cities yeah. that I haven't really thought about. You know, I mean, also within L.A. That's kind of been my my overall. Uh, private project but any every other city too I mean like you don't you have these like you have this little fragment here this little fragment there this little experience here this little thing there this little cliche here this little cliche there and it sometimes requires a an ur- like an earnest fucking effort to just see, to see how they all connect yeah, oh yeah absolutely yeah and also yeah through a guest or through somebody through somebody I mean like I, I'll re-listen to our conversation and things will, like, I mean, almost in a, almost like a, like, almost in a fictional way, things will, like, connect to each other, you know? Even random yeah, yeah. sounds in the background w- 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 will connect to what we've been saying in a weird way. Like, I've noticed these, these kinds of things all the time. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like this is exactly the city where, the, where you, you, you would constantly encounter such... Uh, such intersections of uh, meaning.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I used to like um, bunk off my like sixth form classes a lot of the time and just wander around Angel, right, in Islington, And And uh, like, I remember in, in a residential area like up, up the street, I just came across this like really strange, like sort of like surrealist bookshop. Yeah. Or something, you know, and it had like lots of old penguin sort of uh, like science books like sort of the blue, you know, the, the classic, like, iconic cover. Yeah, blue. yeah. And uh, it had, like, this sort of Alice in Wonderland decoration in it, and it felt very, like, hidden away and private. And there was some, like, um, really attractive girl behind the counter that I made awkward teenage conversation with. And it was, like, really, I asked her Oh, yeah. I can't remember how we got onto that subject, but I asked her like who her favorite philosopher was, I think because they had some philosophy books, and I was really disappointed because she said Daniel Dennett. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> even I, I mean yeah. I know of Daniel Dennett, yeah. I don't know what
4: his philosophies of life are, but I know he's fairly contemporary, right? He, he was like, he was like a philosophy of mind guy, but he's like, for me he's one of these like anti-Christ people because he basically believes that like, consciousness doesn't exist. Okay, <laughs> we don't have to get into that, but right well like, why yeah.
1: not let's see let's let's <laughs> but, discuss consciousness right now I mean does it exist does it not exist I feel I I, I would sometimes I wish it didn't exist
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, Often
1: I, mean, we, often we like I wish yeah sometimes. often. <laughs> yeah, I think often I wish it didn't exist, but damn it I always keep on fucking waking up with consciousness it still, it keeps
4: like, happening you know? fuck. Yeah No, I mean I, I would answer it like a resounding yes, like uh, definitely it definitely does Um but actually, I was like, around the time, I was doing A-level was like, philosophy, so I was just learning about him for the first time. So you were like doing what kind of philosophy? A-level. A A-level, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, so I heard a different word. That's just yeah. like, uh... <laughs> what word I heard,
1: I heard anal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, that's where my... Yeah. I, I wasn't doing anal philosophy. No, okay. Uh, well, if, what's the opposite of philosophy of mind? Philosophy of yeah, ass, philosophy, right? Yeah, yeah. No not part of the A-level curriculum. Right, A-level, uh, yeah. yeah. You have to cover all the A's. Yeah, yeah. Before you get to the M. Yeah,
4: but I was, like, very mad about,
1: you know. His, his, was, yeah. I get, no, I, 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 I sympathize with you because I get, I used to get, I mean, I say used to just because I, I don't oh, get. He, oh, here we he go. You can pick up some of the uh, Here are the shouts. Yeah. Let's hop in. Oh, they just scored a goal, that's why. All right, hold on.
0: That poor bastard. That poor bastard. It's
1: five for
3: one.
1: It's like they scored like it was two nothing at halftime. So they've scored three goals already in uh, twenty minutes,
3: twenty five minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. I want to take a picture. Do you want to take a picture of me with the, you know all these people in the background?
3: I want to my left money back. I want my left money back Thank
2: you. Oh Lovely. God.
1: All right. That like, that's exactly what I was hoping for.
4: I'm glad I'm glad that like uh, you know the city like manifested. Uh, like
1: literally know. and it's a closed door, you know, it's all closed in, but it was so loud that we heard it yeah, from yeah, across yeah. from da- from across the street because this England scored a goal. So Oh wait, I forgot my coffee i'll be back back <laughs> i don't have much left but you know every little drop counts when you're having fun
0: i rode a gray horse it was called a gray mare gray mane and gray tail A green stripe on her back gray mane and gray tail green stripe on her back they want a hair on her be what was cold black
4: I, I think we're just going in a circle. Uh, that's like the pan we've fallen in into.
1: Oh well whatever well, I'm down to just I like I'm liking this wherever we're doing Okay, so cool, cool. Wherever you feel like uh, I mean we could we could lilting, dist- let's lilt.
4: We could disrupt the circle by going in that direction. Alright, let's do it. I mean I'm let's go to,
1: straight into the emergency room yeah, over yeah, here. The
4: emergency department. Yeah. Um You know I I've like the ones that I've recorded for my show, which is still theoretical at this point. Yeah. Um but it does exist, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask the people who've been on it. But uh, like, um, I think in like the beginning of every episode, I say like, "Oh, I really hate introducing like the topic." Yeah. Because I'm, you know, and that's like been my way of breaking the ice to make it easy to introduce the topic. But uh, you know, listening back, I'm like, "Damn, I need to like figure out a new a new gimmick," <laughs> you know, because yeah. otherwise, people will be able to like turn me into like a bingo board. I,
1: I think mean, you, I'm sure they already could. But. You have to really. I think you. I, I honestly, especially if you're hesitating to release your podcast, I would say, I think it's just hard to. I don't know. It's hard to really obsess over every. I think I feel like you have to just let it let it rip and not. Oh yeah. And just yeah yeah. I'm sure you're right. The hardest part of this, <coughs> uh, the hardest part is list is bearing the sound of your own voice. Um, yeah, yeah. Everyone has the same problem. There's yeah, nobody who think, likes the sound of their own voice. I was going to
4: say though, I'm quite envious of your voice because I think you have a you have a really great like uh, kind of uh, this like great neutral like American journalistic tone. You know, <laughs> that has this kind of like it's, it has such a kind of implicit authority in it because I was listening to some of the uh, more like y episodes of your yeah. show and like and so. You know, you were, you were like talking very deliberately and carefully and uh, I'm like envious of that because I'm, I'm kind of the opposite, like I'm all over the place, just like spluttering and like... But I'm, over, I'm all over the place in this shit, well, I'm, when I'm doing this part of it. I don't know, but I think right. you're, there's still a kind of um, like uh, a, a sort of neatness about your, your voice in well, general, I would say, you know? I think, well, I appreciate that. I, it's These These are the comments that I try to retain
1: when I'm listening and hating the sound of my own voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, yeah. As are people. other people saying that, that my voice is good is the only uh, tool I have to combat the self-hatred that comes from listening to my own fucking uh, voice it's so nice, for a
4: bazillion hours. It's so nice to get like a compliment every yeah. now and again, just to let you know that it's... And it's all, all the things that you worry about, like misspeaking or expressing something badly. It's like. When I think about when I listen to other people's podcasts, none of that stuff bothers me because it's part of the grain of the conversation.
1: Right. And And that's exactly what you need to remember too, because no one's gonna, like, I, on paper, there are many voices by very famous radio personalities and so on, who, which are like, not, like, I'm just thinking, Adam Carolla, I don't know if you know Adam Carolla, but oh, yeah, I know I know the name. Right. I mean, he's so, you know, he's big in the United States. He's he really a pioneer of podcasting, too. Right. Um, and he did Loveline, which is a big influence on, like, Red Scare and so on. Um, comedian from L.A., but very, like, working, cl- very blue-collar working class. Uh-huh. Very, came from very poor circumstances and just, like, doesn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah. But one of the few DGAFers, really, in the business. And... Um, super super brilliant because he's like he can go on he can just like riff on any topic in a funny manner and entertaining manner with like very strong takes that are smart and his voice is pretty nasal and it's pretty like if you're just listening to it for the first time or the first few times you're like well this is not what you would consider a good radio voice necessarily it's kind of a whiny nasal voice but it also has a a lot of masculine authority behind it after you get used to it so it's just like all you have to do is like the person, and you're going to. I, I, I keep saying this to people, is you like the person, you're going to like the voice. There's no such thing yeah, as yeah. liking someone but not liking his or her voice. Period. Yeah, yeah. Like it
4: doesn't matter what the voice is. All you have to do is like the person. Yeah, I think mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I, uh, one of my like go-to's is uh, is still like old episodes of Come Town. Uh uh-huh,
1: You know, right. which I a, a phenomenon yeah. I skipped by the way. I right, right. totally mi- missed that phenomenon.
4: Um, but it's like uh, with that. you know half the time I just have it on in the background. I'm not even like I'm not even listening to the content of what they're saying at all. It's like purely this like familiarity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. It's cool. it's, it's, it's Yeah. Like, you, it's just emptied of content. Like yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. That, that's what ultimately yeah i think that's ultimately what we all kind of do with these uh, with podcasts i mean i fall asleep to po- several podcasts yeah, same
4: same uh some i don't some are too uh stiff some are I, too caffeinated for that I, I can't listen to uh perfume nationalist falling asleep sleep. yeah I, yeah. i tried i end up staying up until like five yeah yeah it's too engaging. It's, <laughs> it, it's too dramatic <laughs> yeah. um,
1: to sleep to yeah but there are others i can sleep to yeah yeah um and uh, oftentimes they will influence the dream. I've had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. yeah, so, okay. So how do you, uh, let's, uh, let's get the Yerk story because I think you, you do you're a mysterious figure to many who, who nevertheless yeah. follow you. So how did you end up with a fault fo- with a following on Twitter? Like where did it start? Yeah. And then where did you start before that in terms of getting to that point of mentally of where you're expressing yourself in, in, uh, oh, you know, yeah, expressing yeah. yourself in a manner that is clearly contrary to the prevailing orthodoxy oh, yeah. of our time. Um,
4: <laughs> I mean, okay, well, what, that's, what was like the uh, the very first one, it was like, how, how did I get on Twitter? Like, have, uh, yeah, like how did you start to get, gain a following? So like? No, I, well, I don't know how I start to get it following. I guess, um, it's kind of like, a, you know, i was saying about, like, Discord or group chats. Like, you kind of post and it just gets kind of lost in the, the sort of, uh, flow of text. Yeah. And I guess really, like, when you start Twitter, that's like the same thing. You're just kind of posting into a void and it feels kind of mad. It does. Um, but then every, there's this kind of slow trickle of attention that builds up. Uh... And I, I think it's just like these feedback loops that if you're lucky enough to break into them, then they'll kind of, it creates a sort of momentum that carries you. I mean, I don't know. I'm not to like take it for granted. I, you know, I'm very.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: that's an especially <laughs> yeah, really piercing, piercing. Really like really shrill. Really shrill. That's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like a nurse ratchet uh like <laughs> just screech of a of a siren but yeah
4: so you're saying um and yeah there were just certain people I wanted to uh talk to or connect to you know yeah um, and so I'd learnt, I'd loved for like a year or two before then um and just year, what what year are we at right now oh I, I've really like lost track. Uh, um, okay so I mean the, the year I I started Twitter, my well, side this account was uh the first year of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I'd lurked for a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. And there were certain personalities I was like attracted to, or yeah. interested in. Um, I think I was like familiar with one of Jack's early accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in logo Daedalus. Right. I was interested in like Red Scare and Anacatian. Right. And how did you find
1: these people in the first place is my question. I like,
4: think I found out about like I mean I just found out about like getting yeah, through like lurking. And even before I made an account, I used to just, uh, just go through like random people's timelines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, gradually the, the sort of character of the people that I was interested in changed. Like, well, cause I used to be very like kind of, uh, like libertarian leaning, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I remember one of the first people that I used to go and browse was like Kathy Young. Oh yeah. 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 You know? Of course. Yeah. Um, original uh,
1: uh editor of reason magazine yeah. in the 90s but yeah. then she kind of became a never trumper yeah yeah and I, I didn't even you know i'd lost track of her until these never trumpy never trumpy moments of, yeah, of, of right. late
4: you know um and then i you know i think i found out about like the the Chapo Trap House people through that. And okay. I've never actually really been interested in them. I was always basically kind of indifferent. Yeah. But, you know, I think I must have discovered Anna Cashin on the fringes somewhere of like, of their, that kind of like circle of like dirtbag left people or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was introduced through her to like the last psychiatrist. Like, Right. So I read that blog for a while, I mean, maybe this would have been like 2016 or 17. Maybe that's too early. Um, I definitely was aware of Anakashian before Red Scare. Before Red Scare. Yeah. So you're a
1: you're a gold star Anakashian fan. Yeah.
4: (laughs) I didn't. She she was the last guest I had on my podcast, and I didn't like. I didn't think it would necessarily be a great idea to. I didn't want to like sound kind of weird, like you know. Like I've been following you for all this time, you know. Because um, I was already like pretty nervous. Yeah. About speaking to her. Yeah. But yeah, I've been a fan of hers for a, a long time. Um, and I think I, th- I found out about like Logo uh, later on, uh, but he interested me because. We just share a lot of the same interests and tastes and things. Yeah, you have a you. I think, yeah, you have a lot of, I mean, you're both very literary
1: people and you're both hit, very...
4: Him more than me. Right. <laughs> but you have the sense. interest but in
1: ideas and in yeah. philosophies and stuff. Yeah, yeah earnestly yeah. and not, you know, not as memes, you know. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And then uh, I think, you know, a bit later on, I think I was like invited into a group chat and it's like, I remember kind of, kind of bumping into Zach, in you know, a Twitter space yes and then discovering his show and like messaging him and asking if i could be on because i uh i really liked it and uh you know like when when did you find zach
1: how how did what was your
4: because zach's an interesting
1: zach's an interesting i mean yeah for me the answers to these are all very clear because i know exactly my timeline is recent and my my lifetime, my lifespan into Twitter is very recent. Yeah, yeah. So I have a very you know, it's easy for me to remember things, kind of like that way. Um, but uh,
4: yeah, but how did you like collide with Zach? I was just in this uh, group chat, and um, uh, he he talked about a little bit on the, on the episode of his show that I'm on, and he, he was very sweet. He said that he found me charming ah yes he does the feeling
1: was mutual so yes Um, he does he very much finds you charming yeah
4: I'm very I'm very like touched Uh, yeah uh, by um Zach's praise oh yeah yeah No. (laughs) Um, uh yeah and I've had him on mine as well he he really came on and recorded like a really great episode um on your ghost podcast that that has
1: not been released
4: yet yeah yeah I wish uh, you know I'd love to have you on as well Uh, I'd be happy to obviously we couldn't maybe get away with it. Let's see. But I'm not gonna, not gonna like kill. Yeah, kill the r- li- Yeah. <laughs>
1: the and then it'll be investigated as a potential murder. Yeah. Was there foul yeah. play? Was there a motive that yeah, I? Yeah. Well, then it'll be knows? like
4: the Luther-style, like uh, you know, pri- like British crime series. Yeah. Investigation of like the uh, <laughs> the kind of like transatlantic podcasting scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. because you know, like,
1: then you start to dig into my history, and you're like, wait, what the fuck was he doing here in the first yeah, place? Yeah. Right, right uh screening of what movie uh Uh, and then you start to unravel from there it really gets wild
4: but it's also kind of funny because like when you were telling me the other day about like your own history and it was like everybody that you encounter i feel like um i just assume that they're in this like position of historical authority relative to me yeah and it just kind of doesn't occur to me that like I may have been like been an account longer than someone else or whatever. Right. Because like you can kind of encounter these people as like already established. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so that was like my my sense of you was like, oh yeah, like you know he's part of like this uh, like you know podcasting elite. <laughs> you know, like uh, in this kind of scene, you know. It's all very
1: recent. It's all just the. It's all just in the last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the fountainhead with Jack was August of 2021, and then I started my right, podcast. Right. Yeah, and that and that gave me that was like my final the final push I needed because yeah. I was. You know, like everyone else, so I was like, família, I want to do one, but I don't know what to do. But <laughs> I need yeah, a partner. Yeah. I need a partner. Who should be? Who's going to be my partner? Microphones, <inaudible> studio, <inaudible> and like all this bullshit. And I finally, that kind of set in motion my. Um, I don't remember when the idea occurred that I can just do that. That I can. That I can, kind of make the the the, uh, in the flesh part the main part of the show, instead. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like I, I just was. I've just been doing nothing but this without a microphone throughout the pandemic. That's really, that's what gave me the, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, I'd heard, uh, uh, uh Jack's, um, episode, the mall where he does, where he records with a field recorder, like they go out and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I think, I, I think this, I think I can, that can be a replicable thing simply because this is what I've been doing for two years. Yeah, yeah. I've been going out with my friend, my one, fr- one friend, two friends, sitting in some sort of restaurant, or going to a park, or whatever, and just fucking uh, letting it rip with all the shit that we cannot talk about anywhere, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and that kept me sane, like, yeah. or are we just walking around Hollywood at night for hours, there's like quite a gust and a lot of photobombing,
2: yeah,
1: um, yeah and, and you know, I think a lot of people are not as comfortable with this style, because they
4: they just they they're like a more they like a more um oh yeah i mean i'm like a really uh, deeply like uh i don't know if this is a word but like a deeply discoordinated person yeah you know uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm like very thinker, fingers and thumbs right 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 uh, i i think i would be like too
3: uh,
4: like nervous to make a go of, but I, I, actually probably, uh, you know, I probably could do it because uh, these things are always like easier when you begin
1: doing them. Sure, it just depends on what you want to do. I mean, I like both styles. I like being, yeah. I like being at, at in, the, in on the desk and you know, uh, classic uh, radio style, studio style, uh, and just closing, kind of closing my eyes and ju- and and ha- having the whole thing happen through words yeah. without any yeah. sort of physical element. Um, i actually like that. I, it's a very, you know, it depends on, but it depends on the subject matter. If yeah. there's a topic, if there are topic, you know, clear topics at hand, that that, or even just a kind of weird conversation to have, like remotely, that that works really well. Um, but I also like just I also like forcing myself to fucking contend with life and reality in an improvised yeah, manner, yeah, yeah, and that's what this forces me to do.
4: Yeah, I mean it's kind of, it's kind of in that tradition of like like, uh, like slightly like gonzo journalism. Yeah, exactly. As well that you're interested in.
1: So I'm a, I'm a member of the podcasting elite in your mind. Yeah. And, yeah. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, which is 100 percent accurate. Yeah. So, because uh, I am. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was like so so like but you're you're in twitter way longer than i am you have way more you have a you know much larger following and you have a much like more established presence on twitter than mine which is fairly recent and so yet it's 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 weird that it's weird that we that it's, that, you, that I struck you as having, like, Yeah, a, well, I
4: mean, I'm, I'm just in general, like, an unassuming person, in, you know, regards to myself, as well. So, so a big part of it is that. Um,
1: uh, how did you start, like, gaining, I mean, because you have a huge following now, like, you're not, you're not, you know, you're like, what, 30,000 or something like that?
4: It's, oh, it's not quite that high, it's like 20.3. Oh, 20,
1: whatever, yeah, 20, uh, whatever it is, it's like, it's a
4: lot. I think, um, I think if there is one thing that I could be said to be good at is maybe that I can sort of like put words to things that people have a sense of, right? Um, but are unable to express. Right. That's uh, that's a
1: very uh, co- that's a very uh, popular, I think, tweeting style. Yeah. Where I think a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Do th- do that in their own ways.
4: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, And I like to think that, like, I can lend a certain amount of authority or, like, legitimacy to these, like, slightly sort of, like, subaltern uh, perspectives, right? Because they often find expression in a kind of, like, a uh, more... I mean, I'm very, like, polemical, but, like, in a in a, like, a polemical way or sometimes in a kind of, like, slightly, like, mythological way. You know, like, they find the expression in the form of, like, conspiracy theories or yeah, yeah. Th- things like that. And it's, like, because then just the, it's, like, the nature of the ecology, right, that um, these sort of, like, systems of, like, information management, like, get set up, right? Yeah. Like, this happened, obviously, loads during the pandemic, you know, that, and a lot of them, you know, are based on this kind of, uh, like, this kind of pattern-matching criteria yeah right where like if something looks like a conspiracy theory then the actual like information is trying to organize and present isn't even important it's just about the fact that it matches this narrative framework
1: yeah it's just it's yet another it's just like yet another thing that yeah. the elites are doing or whatever yeah. it is and that that's kind of all people all people see it as yeah like, it's yet another example oh an Epstein thing you know like yeah another yeah. flight you know yeah. a flight log you know who doesn't add any substance but it just it's yet yeah, it's another tick in the
4: yeah yeah so i just hope that like i can like i think because i'm just kind of good at arguing and uh i'm good at like phrasing things or or like explicating an argument so i like to think that i can kind of embarrass the presumed legitimacy of like, of the fact checkers, the fact checkers, and you know, the fact checkers, often, like, the, the experts, the, the, the expert, the call of expertise, yeah, like the priesthood, you know, the priest- yeah, the like, cardinals have gathered to yeah. check your facts. So like, uh, you know, I like, I, because then a lot of people, you know, I, I've argued with, I've kind of chilled out about it recently, but a lot of people I argued with that they're people who just like take these. These uh, they made these assumptions and they just sort of received information, so they're not necessarily like prepared. Yeah, to uh, to argue with someone. Right, you know. right, right. They're prepared for they're, somebody to be like. They're completely unprepared for any kind of serious argument. They're, they're, they're prepared for somebody to be like to say like a racial slur or something. Yeah. Or, you know, to be like to, to do something that automatically like disqualifies. Right. Them which
1: which is an increase, which which yeah. because they have no content in their heads, uh, no ability to to arg- think or argue they have to expand their list of dog whistle words, yeah, exactly. which allow them yeah. to just say, ah, you're a racist, out, you're out, you're out. Yeah, yeah. You're out. They'll like throw you out of the ball game, you know, like a fucking umpire. Yeah, a, yeah. A, an umpire with, um, uh, with uh, Sussex Downs.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so, uh,
4: yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, you, you're, so you're absolutely right. I mean, this, you're describing your, I think, voice, in exactly the way I would describe it. I, I've done similar, I think I've done similar services at times when- Absolutely, yeah. When, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like I see a lot for me, like I, you know, I landed in this world during the pandemic and I saw a lot of, I mean, I had already been seeing a lot of like, to me, old wars being fought. Like it all felt yeah. old to me. I was like, yeah. are we really still talking about bullshit feminism and bullshit racial, demagoguery and all this fucking shit that's been—that was like that was tied up and finished decades ago. Like we're still talking about it because it's been re—it's been um, yeah, it's
4: been rekindled.
1: Yeah, it's it's like oh fuck, okay. (sighs) All right, let me dust off my fingers here and try to explain what the fuck is going on. But yeah, it's a lot of like, on the one hand, um, you put it very well. You're you're putting you're lending a. Uh, intellectual, you know, rigor to the uh, to to the outrage
2: yeah, uh, of the yeah.
1: of the oppressed, yeah, so and because the, and the there nation. are the oppressed, they are yeah. Everyone yeah. victim of Liptardism of the last ten years yeah. is truly oppressed, um, but spiritually like- oppressed, socially oppressed, financially oppressed in many cases, professionally oppressed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just mo- morally oppressed, just every which
4: way. Oppressed. But right. it's also that, like, I I also just uh, I feel like I'm equipped with the capacity to understand a lot of these sort of like quote unquote like lip-tarted arguments. Yeah. Better than the people who make them. Because
1: right, because they're, they're just repeating the latest yeah. thing uh, that they, they're I, programming.
4: But, but there's a like uh, you know there's a logic behind those ideas you can extract, and uh, you know it, it, it does have some kind of like uh, internal consistency that's comprehensible yeah but it's often that's often like uh, in the same way that like a you know an iPhone uh, you're really just interacting with like the surface of the software yeah you know and you're not allowed to like tinker through with the programming underneath that yeah yeah exactly that's the way these ideas are, like, the yeah so, so, you're, you're kind of not given, like, real ownership over them. Yeah. Like, that's, like, the, li- the life of a libtard, is right. that you ha- you, you're you kind of, a, you're uh, disseminated these uh, ideas or talking points <laughs> or slogans, like, uh, as if from an armoury. And this is, like, well, yeah, you're doing your part in the fight against prejudice, or, you know. Um, but they haven't been educated as to how those, like, weapons work or what their history is, you know, or, yeah. like, what the underlying worldview is that determines them is or anything like that but that information is out there it's like fairly really accessible if you know how to look for it and i am when i was a teenager i was like a you know teenage anarchist feminist uh guy right so a am ta- a taf you
1: know, a taf good teenage anarchist feminist guy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
4: Um, and uh, you know, I was like, I went through my own phase of being disillusioned and being uh, sort of like passed out from my friend groups that were like dominated by that kind of thing, you know? And so, and the reason why I didn't go along with it is because, you know, life throws you these like, uh, ironies, right? Where, if you try and follow your conscience you'll be led into supporting one thing but that same impulse of consciousness if you want to stay true to it then it will eventually demand it will eventually like challenge you you know in the guise of what it was previously leading you towards yeah if that makes sense yeah you know yeah so it's always keeping you on your on your toes and uh you know, you have to like follow that that impulse, even when it like leads you into uh, conflicts with these ideas that you've become very comfortable with or that you've taken for granted and stuff. Yeah, it's. So. it's
1: I think that's like the basic difference between, um, uh, you know, a genuine, a genuine scholar, s- thinker, student of life. Uh, artist, creator. Everyone like if, if everyone who's serious about what they're doing has a in any field. I have discovered you know has like this has a has a, has a little conscience that says are you have you gotten too comfortable? Are you? Yeah. Like this is something that has dogged me.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: From the very beginning. Um, this is why I uh, this is why I actually yeah I'll follow you wherever and 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 we can always go inside when oh, yeah, you find sure. a place that feels like uh, yeah I mean if there's
4: anything that appeals uh, to you as well
1: yeah I'll I'll uh, keep my eyes open sure sure like, um,
4: we're doing a good kind of uh, circle. It's
1: yeah like, I like yeah. I mean I'm enjoying the yeah I'm enjoying this and I haven't done it enough daylight walking because I've been really like. Waking what, what up late, we, can, uh, we have had very little daylight and I haven't been been walking okay. through it So I've been I've wanted a good long walk
4: Yeah, London London by daylight
1: you know. London by daylight, Bloomsbury by daylight. The uh, Bloomsbury, it's a Bloomsbury for those who don't know is where the Virginia Wolves and um, her husband What's her name? Uh, what's his name? Leonard, wasn't it? Leonard Wolf, Leonard? Yeah, and uh, Whoever else was part of that c- circle. Yeah uh names i'm forgetting but there are others
4: and now it's like uh where the, the university of london is it's like there's like loads of uh international students everywhere yeah uh,
1: i don't know i don't recognize that hotel but the hotel sign but i was i've also been thinking about you know all kinds of things um yeah the the impulse to so I was saying I, f- I fled from pole- the world of polemic and political engagement generally, yeah, because I felt like I, f- I felt like I had kind of all right, since I, I, I had started at like 14,15, I felt like I had started on the right track, on the right, um, heterodox, uh, you know, yeah. questioned everything track, um, which had taken me where it ta- where, it had ta- where it had taken me. Um, and I was like, this is sort of a dead end. Uh, I don't think, I, I think I have gotten all the life knowledge that I am going to get yeah, out, yeah. Of stud, out of studying political discourse um, and, and practicing
4: it. Well, yeah, I feel like things show up and they have a lesson to teach you. Right. And then you, you kind of learn the lesson and then by that point it's like...
1: Yeah. And, like, yeah. and then by that point it's like, wait, am I going to really make a fucking career repeating because if, if, if my politics are correct, then I will simply be repeating the same thing my entire life, the way the Cato Institute people do. Yeah, and it's right, like, right. I don't, I'm like, I look at Cato Institute people, I'm like, you're 40, you're 50, you're just repeating the same thing you, you, you've been repeating since you were 18 years old. Yeah, and I, yeah. for the most part, agree with it. Like, well, I'm not, that's the point is that I agree with it. The point is, I don't see, and, 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 and then when I look on the other hand, I'm sorry to, I'll just finish my thought. But yeah, you, please, I please, want sure. you to chime in, but. No, no. Um, on the other hand, I'm like, I look at someone like Ross, Ross Douthit or whoever at the time was being kind of a more, this is like, you know, mid-2000s, right? Or when I'm, yeah. when I'm retiring from politics. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, I'm looking at these, you know, clever conservative blogs, whatever, they're being more nuanced and yada, yada, and they're being more like, they're analyzing the scene in a more um, fluid manner. yeah. So as to avoid becoming the kind of uh, talking point, pundit, uh, press a button, you know exactly what you're going to get yeah. type. And I can see, and that's why they're getting popular popular, and so on, and becoming the li- like New York Times spokesman of conservatism because they can be kind of clever about it.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and I'm like, all right, I, I, I appreciate this to a degree, but if you're going to be creative about your political analysis, it probably means you're also going to be full of shit because you're not, you're gonna be lying. You're gonna be lying in order to sound, in order to make, you know, carve out a different space for yourself right, yeah, from, the, yeah. from, the, from the right-wing rubes or even the left-wing rubes. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't mean that there isn't a very sound perch from which to analyze politics without ideological, uh, over, without being ideologically overcooked yeah. Um, and you know to do it in a re- it be a regular voice who does it. I'm, but but to me it just seemed like this was a game where you're either going to have to you're either going to have to repeat yourself forever and never really grow, or you're going to have to kind of become a bullshit artist. Uh, yeah. And and that and bullshit artists. I like bullshit art. I like bullshit and I like art. I don't like bullshit art. I right. like the yeah. two of them yeah. separate, and I like to keep them separate. And uh, yeah, so that's what co- I mean. These are the elements of. I felt like I felt the the walls. I felt like the the door locking, the garage door landing on, on political discourse for me for those exact reasons that you felt the walls closing in on your Liptar assumptions or whatever of the of your younger younger years or your your left wing assumptions or whatever.
4: Yeah, but it's also like it's like the 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 ethical core as well. You know, it's like in that sense I haven't changed. It's like the surface has changed, right? And that's like, and kind of like you were talking about people getting kind of like uh, repetitive and kind of becoming caricatures of themselves. I was just thinking of like, uh, you know, I've been doing this like deep dive on uh, Perfect Nationalists again recently and I keep like laughing about this phrase that Jack has, meant, has said a couple of times to do with like uh, Gen X people like who are now in their like 50s or whatever and they like I think in his phrase, they still think they're like Bart Simpson on a skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. Which really, like, really so maybe true. made so me laugh true. out loud. Yeah. So true. Yeah. But it's like
1: the... Uh, Sometimes they literally look like Bart Simpson. I yeah. I won't mention any names, but um, I can think of individuals <laughs> that I was literally like,
4: am I talking to a 50 year old Bart right now? Yeah. But it's like, you know, those are people who yeah, I kind of feel bad for them. It's just like they're so uh, unequipped. And it's like they are the, the the sort of like arena for them is something that is like completely nostalgic and virtual. Yeah. And uh, it's like a video game or something. It's yeah. like and because of that, they're easily manipulated into supporting things that I think, like actually, if they were bringing a sort of sober eye to, they would not be supporting. Um, just because it's sort of like it's kind of presented to them. It as continuous with this posture they've already assumed. Yeah, which right. they've
1: never wavered from, which yeah. is the weird part yeah. to me because I would have thought, you know, like the, the the one thing about boomers is the one thing you got to say about boomers, and I, there's a lot to say about boomers because boomers are our last kind of connection to, I mean, Gen X is also a connection to the pre-digital world and even late, mille- early yeah. millennials like myself yeah, are yeah, a, And then a, me, a, me And, well. and even yeah. you at the very, probably you're the, where, the, where you're around where the the lock is set, like yeah. maybe 20, maybe a little younger than yeah. you, yeah. if you're just you just 30. But like, yeah, like me, I feel it. I have, I'm a, I'm a two worlds kind of guy,
4: mm-hmm.
1: very, very distinctly. I mean, fuck, I can remember when it was the 80s. Like, I literally remember when it, because I was born in 85. Oh, right, So like, right. my memories begin in the 80s. You
4: look very young, by the way. Oh, thank right. you. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: that's one. <laughs> wonderful to hear, you know? I love just, I love like, um, just absolutely, tricking people yeah you know in, in <laughs> any way like young old, whatever me. Well, so, you like, as long as they don't yeah as long, as long as they don't know what i am like yeah. i don't care if they think i'm 70 or 17. <laughs> right right i just don't want them to know what i actually am which is 37 so right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah i mean in many ways i like it's it's youth feeling young is weird because like, I, I felt old in my 20s.
2: Oh, yeah. I had a, I, my yeah.
1: 20s were rough. <laughs> oh, same, same. Really rough. Yeah. Just just like internally rough, you know? Um,
4: yeah, I know. I was in like a, a kind of purgatory for a long time, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, where I was just not really doing anything. Right, bro, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean,
1: that big time for me. Now, now I started, a, you know, my first film, kind of began that that adventure began when I was in the very early 27 so that's when it kind of I started to break out of the the rut of 20s misery right even though that you know that that in itself was a giant giant up and down experience but 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 uh do you want
4: know like you know like around
1: here That would be lovely. Oh, yeah. and a warm-up. Yeah. Oh, that would be so nice. And we got these two. Get my little hand. My f- the only problem is that with cold for me is my fucking hands.
4: Oh, yeah, same. They yeah. start to
1: ice up. Let me throw this away.
2: Oh, I want
4: oh. to try like the uh, cafe deli. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. Um, it looks
1: pretty, uh, it looks quiet as well. Yeah. No, I Watch was, out, watch out.
4: I was kind of thinking, thank you.
1: Uh, I can't, I don't know what to do here. All right, let's just make, <laughs> let's just run for our lives.
0: She stood so still, she threw me to the dirt. She bruised my hide and bruised my shirt. From stirrup to saddle, I mounted again. And on my tin toes I rode over the plane.
1: There's a little bookstore there like we were talking about. Oh, random, A random bookstore that looks cute. How's it? Oh wow, it's so Do quiet. Yeah,
3: beans. it's so quiet.
1: No. Sorry. Hi guys. Hi, are right. yeah. How
0: can I
4: help? Uh, can we get a flat white too?
1: Yeah. Would you like a coffee? Yes, I'd like... Um, you know what, I'll have a flat white as well.
4: Yeah, two, two, flat two, flat two, two flat
1: white. Two I got this, over But Are you sure? Yes, Seven, you're getting weird. Uh, yeah. Do you want anything else, like a uh, pastry? I don't know it's time being, I'll see. Sorry, my eyes, my hands are uh, Sorry, it's on the front. It's right. Here? Yeah, it's the one.
3: There we go. Any sugar in your flat whites? No
1: thank, no, thank you. So this is neither a laptop, nor is it, nor are we studying.
0: Sorry, you're not allowed to use laptops.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. I I don't have one. Okay, good. Yeah, that's fine.
0: I just heard the word laptop. That, I know. Laptop. I was
1: reading. Uh, yes, <laughs> I can tell you've been uh, uh, you've been harassed by laptop users in mass. No! Right, no, they, there's all, There's limited seating here, and if you...
2: Because it is limited seating, yeah. and, you know, it's a nice little cafe, People like to sit here, can you imagine how many students like
1: that? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah.
2: Nursing their one tea for five hours. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I did it, I know and, you're going to do it, you know?
1: Yeah. I know it.
2: So, but so thank you for not being one of those people who thinks that does not apply to them.
1: You know... I'm the kind of guy who just take. I assume every rule only applies to me and nobody else. Oh yes, (laughs) I. So. Here we go. Oh. Thank you,
2: thank
0: you,
1: thank you.
3: That's lovely.
1: Have you? Okay we're bouncing around a bit but have you um, are, are you a fan at all of Somerset Mom? No, Bill.
4: Somerset Mom I've never read him
1: um, interesting I, I have a book by him though called uh, The Magician that's not a good one. Oh
4: really don't, don't bother yeah I mean I haven't read it but I've heard shit so. I, I, it's funny you say that though because you know again well earlier we were talking about the, the League of Strong Gentlemen. Gentleman yeah and the character of Oliver Hallow from The Magician which is the reason I own it he is the the League Worlds um, version because this is the thing they do a lot of the time where they'll replace like a fictional character. They'll replace a real historical character with their fictional counterpart. Right, right. So uh, instead of like the Beatles, it's the Rutals. The Rurals. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I see. From the uh, like parody uh, film, uh, you know. Okay. Um, do they do this for copyright reasons or just as a kind of just as a kind the of world building? Yeah. Okay. Type thing. But Oliver Haddo is like that. The, the League Worlds are less to Oh, shit. And so he, like, the, the whole plan culminates with, like, Harry Potter as, like, uh, the, the moon child still, like, Antichrist, okay. uh, like um, Oliver Haddon is, like, yeah. scheming to uh, to create. Yeah. But sorry. Yeah, you, no. You, you uh, saying uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, he's, I mean, I mean, I can go on about him. He's, uh, I've read a lot of his stuff, um, and he's very, he's very compulsively readable to me. And to a lot of people, I think. I mean, to or into him. Mm. Um, I brought him up because, for, first of all, yeah. If you're going to read him, read the short stories. I actually have a book of his as well, which is the, the short stories. Yes. Yeah. I like to, yeah, Yeah, his short stories, almost one. all of which are like really fun, mm. um, and there's a, it's a quite a quite a variety. Like some of them are set in the in the in the uh, Malaysian, like you know, co- the. the colonies where like sure. you know people are doing their shit um he's a, some of them are set in london some of them are wherever um some of them he's a spy are based on his experience as a spy in world war one so oh, they're like kind of spy yeah. stories yeah. and which are yeah. they're, they're a lot of fun um ultimately he's just a really he's a a sharp observer of human motivation mm. and that's I think the, the what you what you what carries his work, and he's a very clear storyteller. Oh, they're all very yeah. well, you know. They're all story. They're stories. It's, it's, he's a good. He's not. He's not like Chekhov, where it's about the experience or whatever, and the little tiny moments. There's like a full beginning, middle, and an end to his right. stories, and some of them are quite clever. Some of them are just funny. Um, the the one novel of his that. I, that really works. I haven't read Of Human Bondage, mm. which is, you know, a lot of people I like see. Of Human Bondage, a lot of people like Razor's Edge, but the, the one novel of his that is unquestionably a joy is Cakes and Ale, which is a comedic mm-hmm. novel which is about like a, a, a satire of the literary scene and it's like oh, about, right, right. it's about he's, a, he's it's like you know it's first person but like it's like his competition with some phony uh novelist who's <laughs> right, getting right. over celebrated so you know it's right up our alley and so mm. there's a character in it that everyone loves that's his favorite character he ever wrote who's an innkeeper right and she's like this she's a very sincerely depicted like english innkeeper, and it's a very sentimental not very sentimental but like he allows himself to be sentimental in in his appreciation of her Mm -hmm. like as this as the cog that keeps the ink like england going like she is right she she, the way like her the way her, her commitment to keeping that in and and doing you know having it all work out and taking care of her lodgers and the whole thing, and I was like, you know, I, I can feel that from a distance because mm. like I would be, I would similarly be, re, re, you know, sentimental about such a character, and I wonder if that that innkeeper has a certain. Um, I mean, I'm reminded of it by her. Right? By yeah. yeah. Talked to. That's why I brought it up.
4: Yeah, it's like I'm I'm. I'm always um, kind of moved when I feel like a writer has a sort of fundamental respect sort of for their characters. Yeah. You know, or, or a kind of affection for them. Yeah. Um, and um, the, when I went on Zach's show, uh, it was to talk about this, like a uh, writer I'd kind of recommended to him, uh, who is this like, early 20th century English writer called Ronald Furbank. I've heard of him. I haven't read his work, mm. but I've heard of him. He's a bit obscure, like, um, and he's kind of seen as like a, Something of like a twentieth uh, as a sort of like a fantasy of throwback. Yeah, he was very very influenced by like Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Um, but his his novels are really like, y- y- you know, they're really like kind of uh, thematically trivial. Right. And and extremely kind of gauzy, you know, and light, and but also sort of unintentionally, there's a sort of naive modernism to them because, in contrast to Wilde, where you have this like constant sharpness of wit, which Mm. is something that Paglia talks about really well. Um, You know, like, uh, Furbank is much more like a kind of, like a breeze or a a piece of silk or something, you know, it's this, like, very uh, finely textured, these very finely textured, like, party scenes full of overlapping stray bits of conversation and stuff. Um, But there's also this thing where, like, all the characters are kind of, like, closeted gay men and and sort of spinsterish women right and they all like have these very private emotional worlds which just kind of you get these glimpses of through this lattice work of triviality that makes up their kind of social world yeah and it's very touching to me just because uh he has such a kind of respect as a writer for the um like what's the word i'm thinking of uh just for the kind of privacy of the characters, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and he's he's like ironically juxtaposing that with the, these glimpses of their inner worlds, but it's their discretion. he it has a such a discretion. such a sense of like yeah. respect but because they're all very discreet people, you know. That's the that's the English character at that time. Yeah, is discretion.
1: Discretion yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, the phrase. He's a master of discretion, oh, not just master of discretion, but he's the. There's a phrase like, "He's the very Im- the very image of discretion." Uh, there's a phrase, Some, yeah, where like it, you're complimenting yeah, someone's ability to be discreet. Yeah, yeah. and that's like a, a uniquely English uh, virtue. Mm. Your capability
4: to be discreet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's DL. <laughs> but you know, it's funny as well. Like I. I, I uh, it probably appeals to me because I'm quite quite a sort of like private person. Yeah, you are. And, uh, you, you, you
2: yeah, clearly are.
4: That's why you don't. That's why the group chats are a little bit too much for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm you know I like to think I'm, I'm like friendly.
1: <laughs> the group chats are like no, you're very friendly. The group chats are you're always friendly. Uh, the group chats are like your these are these are like this is where like everyone's being. Uh, you know, grotesquely American and vulgar, <laughs> and and you know, wearing it all, letting it all hang
4: out, and you're like, wait, wait, what is what is all this, What's all this then? But, but then, you know, but then I also I'm like, you know, have, have a kind of respect for that as well. Of course, and that's like the other side of the, of the discretion as well, because you want to be discreet with regards to other people as well. Yeah. And but it's also like a, a marked contrast to me. to like what I feel like is just kind of the nature of social media, and it's like mediatized social world of um where there's this impetus to share i mean this was like really maybe it's cooled down a bit now but like when i was in university it was really like we were really in the thick of this whole emphasis on self-expression and sharing your story and all this kind of thing and I was really like really felt in reaction against that and so like Furbank to me resonated very well. What,
1: what's a book that would be the first
4: to start with well if you can find it there was a really great Penguin Classics collection of three of them. they're very short novels oh okay cool very breezy um, so it was there's Vainglory Inclinations and Caprice oh okay those That's, are very, very great yeah great titles for there are, they're one, titles. wonderful titles
2: yeah
4: um, Vainglory and that's about, you don't hear that word very often anymore. It's about a um, a woman who wants to. Uh, they set in this fictional English country town of Ashringford, mm-hmm. and she wants to have a stained glass steel, a stained glass stained glass, excuse me, stained glass window, yeah. um, erected in commemoration of herself in yeah. the local cathedral. And, uh, you know, she is very much <laughs> not dead or in need of memorializing in any way. <laughs> you
2: know, right. oh, she's, but she's called, nevertheless, yeah. She's yeah.
4: called Mrs. Shamefoot as well. He has these, these wonderful names, like uh, Shamefoot and... Moorcock. Uh, Moorcock is... He was a real a, person, but... I found out about Furbank through Michael Moorcock, mm-hmm. because uh, Moorcock was such a, a fan of his. Um, and I'm sure there is a Furbank reference somewhere in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. Has got, yeah, yeah. right. Uh,
1: but it's so interesting that, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm glad we get, I'm glad we found our way to the Furbank only because, like, discretion is, it is sort of like the, we are tapping at the very, uh, nerve of the English character with yeah, the, with I mean, the it's idea a, of discretion.
4: It's a complex thing, because the, the, this is kind of my crusade, you know, you'll hear variations of this on all of my, podcast appearances and stuff. On my first TPN appearance, where we talked about and Crisp, mm-hmm. as well, who i a big fan of, where the prevailing um, like mythology is that, like, it's one of this everybody's repressed, you know, like, and that's the view of this sort of English character as well, that it's like a emotionally repressed and, uh, this is like psychologically unhealthy and all this kind of thing, and there's an element of truth to that. But I think it's a more complex picture, and um, it's it's kind of wild to me. Like you go and just look at some of the sort of like, like we were talking about, um, sort of uh, David Suchet's uh, Poirot. Some time ago, I was watching with a friend of mine. Um, I can't remember the guy now, but it was like a seventies British Sherlock Holmes TV series. It was really wonderful.
1: Um, um, I don't know if I've seen the seventies one. Oh, it's I should check it out. I like
4: a good any I, of the good ones. I wish I could rema- remember the name of the actor, um, but, but he's one of the classic actors to portray Holmes. Right, so it's a kind of classic representation. I of like
1: him. the old ones. I like whoever the first one was. I forget his name, but. The, like, the black and white. Was that Basil Rathbone? I think Basil Rathbone right. was the one, yeah. yeah I think yeah. he was, like, ideal. I might just, like, look it up.
4: Um but Basil Rathbone. Oh, that's a great name. Made. It's almost as iconic as Sherlock Holmes, oh, really. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, yeah. Basil Rathbone. I you were gonna just I it's pretty, pretty
2: Sherlock Holmes.
4: No. But what you notice know, in it is, uh, <laughs> if you watch it, is, uh... Oh Jeremy, Jeremy Brett. That's Jeremy what I'm thinking of. Okay. And this is the 1994 TV series. Oh, it's in 94. So okay. even in 1994, which now it seems like kind of a, a, a lifetime ago, <laughs> ago, um, it was. But the d- depiction of like male friendship between Holmes and Watson. Yeah. Is so like um. Which everyone freaks out about as being gay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, not that it. i it doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. possibly have like homoerotic elements to it, but like it's the, the emotional palette I don't think they're it's is so much richer right you know? yeah um there's something that it was my, my friend uh, Faustina Blavatsky is her name on Twitter so I have to credit her for this I don't want to be like the you know <laughs> it's like the classic oh, right. uh it's like feminist crime that you, you like steal an idea from uh, so well, what was her idea that, that, that it was so that? this is like a point that she's made but she's absolutely right um that like uh, you know it's really remarkable and it's true as well if you watch lots of old like british movies or um it's just like a emotionally a different world like and there is actually there is so much affordance for like open emotional male friendship and uh, things like that, that really don't seem to kind of exist anymore in, even in england huh even well i mean
1: even here because, I, because I've always noticed, and this is something, by the way, Somerset Mama noticed uh, in one of his books, I remember.
2: Okay.
1: He's saying that in, in America, this is like way back in the 20s and 30s, mm. he's saying like, in America, there's no male friendship. Because really? it's all swallowed up by the wife. The men men are swallowed up by their wives, socially. Right. Right. And, they're, and he's in the old world. He has, there's a whole passage about this in some of his, maybe it's in his nonfiction, um, which is really good, by the way. All of his nonfiction is really good. Um, yeah, he was like in, in the old in in europe and in the old world i mean for as far he's describing england obviously but uh, but, but it's at least is true somewhere like armenia and i mean and, and i feel like in a lot of these places it's true there's like very constant like, like male friendship male friends who hang out constantly and they just spend hours and hours in each other's as he called it, desultory company and they're like just like as part of natural life i mean, chums hanging out with yeah, each other yeah. all the time they're all over at each other's places or whatever they go on vacation you know, when they go on holiday they do, they go holiday together like you know they'll mm-hmm. hang out uh, mingle with, with wives included and whatever and in America it's just not you just see people dudes being extracted from their friends and isolated over time right, as right. soon as they get married or, about, or as soon as it gets serious and if they, become, they end up living on these little marital islands and, and they become quite, you know, apart from like all the jokes we can make about being cucked or whatever, there is a major, there's a substantial emotional. Subtraction from their lives yeah, by the absence yeah. of male friends—it's yeah, just not—it's not, yeah. it's not a, like a ornamental part of life. It's pretty needed. I could i know because I have a lot of straight friends, so I know exactly—I mm-hmm. <laughs> know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, i, I know what they—I know their needs, and I know their desires, and I know that if you were to, if you are or are successfully cutting them off from from male companionship. Mm-hmm. No, I you're ta- you're really choking them out, like, so you're really mm. choking them out, mm. dehydrating their spiritual <laughs> existence, I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm just saying, and it's a very
4: American thing, but now you're telling me that even here, that well, shit has d- down. I don't know if it's, I mean, just, again, you no. know, my perceptions of the world are very, like, filtered through, like, Twitter, right, so I'm, I always just think of, like, these, um, like the back left irony people, mm. um, and I'm sure they like exist over here as well, uh. because it's kind of like transatlantic political subculture. Yeah, it's emphasis on the trans, <laughs> um, and um, they're just like, the, actually the most like emotionally repressed people in the world. Oh, you yeah. know, totally. Like, and they're completely like, they will like if you write a poem or a book or do anything creative, they'll like sneer at you because the idea of being a person who does something like that is like completely foreign to them it's like something you just wouldn't do because yeah. obviously to create anything like that um necessitates a certain vulnerability you know in, in this, it's 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 like, um yeah it's, it necessitates an
1: actual i mean it's going to sound this is going to sound very gay but it necessitates an actual like come like it's it's a it's a leap toward love it's like every every yes, one of these things is yeah. a labor of love like, yeah uh, if it's not a labor of, I mean, unless you're like, it's always a labor of love until you become so successful that you can churn shit out for the money, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. were, which is like none of us was there, <laughs> but like, the, you know, until you're like on book number 75 or whatever, it's a fucking labor of love. So I think that there's so, forget like romantic love, which is its own world of trouble for people, for people in our generation, but even to the but like even the, the extent of, of caring so much about anything of, your, your plate your, your kind of little uh, your portion of life that you will commit to writing a book making a movie doing whatever artistic mm. thing is super triggering to these people who are like they're hopping on they're like little tadpoles hopping from one passing fragment of
4: uh digital discourse to the next and unable to kind of yeah there's a sort of like i mean there's kind of creative impotence to them i think big time um but but it's also just like that they have this kind of uh, like warped um uh like this kind of warped self-hating elitism where they believe that like um so, if you were to, to declare yourself a poet, that would be this kind of uh, gregarious act of pretense, right? Yeah. And that would imply, by, by declaring yourself to be a poet,
2: yeah.
4: you would be implying your superiority to everybody else, you know, by kind of uh, insisting that you have. A, uh, a voice that's worth hearing, or whatever. Well, know. it's a fish. It's a, you're, you're, yeah. It's a. It's a. You're being a fascist. We. Yeah, we. Well, well, yeah. You're insisting on yourself. You're insisting on yourself. I think there's literally an element of that. Like there's a hundred yeah. percent there. It's it's, and, it's in
1: the right Right there.
4: And uh, <laughs> but you know, but the thing is that it's just their own like, they're like mining their own kind of like horrible, internal, like self hatred or whatever. Because you know, really, like to me if i if i see someone declaring themselves to be a poet i think that's there's a kind of a there's a dimension of heroism to that because they make that persona available to other people right and uh that's like you know implicit in their being right um and it's just like this kind of irony but it's like well because one of them once said to said to me like imagine being in your like. Twenties into your twenties or thirties. Imagine being an adult and calling yourself a poet. Yeah, and it's like, well, who else is supposed to do it? Right. And not that, I'm not referring to myself yeah. here. I no, we also I have, no. We also have a hundred right. years of. Uh, we also have
1: a well. Okay. We have a, a, almost a hundred years. Not quite a hundred years, but let's say seventy years of of like you know horrifically bad poetry <laughs> to that yeah to you know which is which is degraded the concept of being a poet to such a degree that anyone who claims to be a poet is instantly like walking into this to, into a, um, a a cauldron of mockery because there hasn't been a poet that ha- you can legitimately genuinely uh, quote and feel kinship to as a fellow uh pilgrim through life since fucking philip larkin in england i'm gonna just i'm laying out oh yeah my own for i don't have any but like philip larkin is the last one that i'm aware of uh that and i can't think of the most recent one in america but you could say i'm sure some people would say sylvia you know Polly might say sylvia plath um i don't find her to be i don't find plath to be that arresting personally Mm -hmm. because i'm not Mm -hmm. a suicidal Lesbian, but <laughs> I can see you know her intense She she struck a chord. I can see that. I can see. Okay, if you're gonna say the
4: Beats or Allen Ginsberg, I'll give it to you. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna be a bitch right now. That's like my uh, you know that's part of my like teenage diet of reading. Right, the Beats, which I think it is for a and lot again of people. if you, if yeah. it, if
1: it's still yeah and it, it definitely relates to a teenage sensibility and I think that's the problem. That's the
4: reason people are kind of dismissive yeah. of it. It's like yeah. it's, it's for teens, right? But it, it's you're not like, gonna be 50 years I, old. I, I will say like, I, you I, know it, it, it's it's nice to revisit every now and again and, and you do just you can discover. A new uh, dimensions of value in it. I think that's uh, absolutely yeah. the case I mean this is another lesson with,
1: with this last with the, 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 the uh, year, year of magical podcasting is that a lot of things or just, just generally this pandemic period that has mm. produced our, uh, this new kind of like cosmos of thought it's that a lot of the things that we thought we had properly we had kind of sufficiently um, figured out the value of yeah. the measure of so on, yeah. you know the Beats. Yeah, okay, you know they had their moment. It was a, it's a very period piece. The Beats are a be- period piece, yeah. right? Yeah. In this, in this, in the old standard, smart his uh, cultural historian uh, context, the Beats are a period piece. Mm, uh, poetry ended with Philip Larkin. Um, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. The the seventies were this. The movies mm-hmm. were this for movies. The sixties were this. The golden age was that. Uh, the 90s were this that, that star wars was this whatever whatever but now since the entire fabric of the world appears to be changing we have this we have been given this like new lease on culture life to go a new lease on the past to go back and say well you know what wait a minute maybe ginsburg for all his defects, for all his limitations for all his craziness and for all his uh uh you know just being a fucking, oh, for all his publicity stunts, let's just say, like, for being a, for being a, because that's another part of it, is a lot of them just became, like, these caricatures of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because they became so popular and so, like, successful in their way. But we can find elements in there that are actually shed new light on the weird-ass darkness of our time. Yeah, yeah. And can give us power that we don't have without, like, the, 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 for example, the perversions. I mean, I think that there's a great amount of like value. This is something that Jack really brings out in his more pornographic um, episodes about mm-hmm. more, you know more pornographic topics and stuff. It's just how there's how there's a lot of vitality that can be uh, smuggled from the from these perverts of the past <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, into yeah. the into this deathly uh, sexless, sterile, like, sterile like, present. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great. Um, and a panacea, or, or whatever, um, to like, you know, and, and these are this is why history can take weird turns. You just don't know sometimes. And you read cultural history. In fact, Somerset Mom was saying this in one of his books, The Summing Up, I think it was, um, where, or one of the other ones where he was talking about how you know, we don't because he had. He was exactly in that place where the highbrows thought he was kind of middlebrow. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't. You know, he was obviously not a. He was not Agatha Christie. He wasn't pulp. Yeah, yeah. But he was so successful and so popular and so widely read. I'm just nervous about my batteries. I'm. He was so successful, so widely read, so popular among the middle class and everything that he was dismissed as kind of. Was so mm. a second-rate entertainment type of guy, um, and and um, what was I going with this? So oh, he said, he, in, in analyzing the detective novelists of his day, because he was mm. a big detective novel reader, he was he, he, he constantly said that history, you never know uh, which authors, so like what layer of authors, posterity will select. For oh yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Like and, and the only thing you do know is that it's it's going to be someone who's well known. Whether it's well known for being a, a hack, well known for being yeah. whatever, it's not necessarily going to be the ones who are well known for being like really brilliant. It could just be. He yeah. was saying yeah. that to the detective novelist, you never know. You might be the one. Um, as long as you're well, as long as you're on the radar, you might be the one that history decides is mm. the, a more a valuable writer uh, from this period. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. Mr. Fancy Pants.
0: Met the king and the queen, and a company more A marching behind, and a marching before Come a start-naked drummer, a beatin' the drum With his hands in his bosom, come marching along oh, my
4: oh yeah, that's that's um. the most quotable one um, But man does he have some, like... But yeah, I've, I've read all these... Um, and I was surprised to find out that uh, apparently Captain Beefheart was like, a huge fan of Philip Larkin. Um, <laughs> Who's Captain Beefheart? He was a like a, a kind team. of uh, American. It's kind of Alan rock Oh shit! Musician in like the seventies, sixties, and seventies.
2: <laughs> well,
4: Margaret Thatcher was <laughs> a big
1: fan of Philip Larkin, and, and offered to make him that makes sense. Yeah, yeah to make a national whatever the poet
4: laureate yeah. title is here. Yeah. Um, And of course, you know he's been cancelled and all that. Of course, yeah, yeah. We did we did study him at university, you know, and and he he wasn't totally like. uh, Right. I mean, it was it was contextualized (laughs) to us, (laughs) you know. Of course. Oh yeah. With with, yeah. yeah. The
1: librarian of Hull. I. I love him. I mean, I I uh, I connect like he's somebody who instantly. It's funny how you know. Often. Sometimes you're not written for somebody you're not oh yeah that's really at all correct. and then sometimes um, you know you have to just you have to just revisit like completely but then other time thank most of the time, thank you, you too. most of the time you kind of most of the time you get it you yeah. you don't get the full picture but Ooh. there's something that's what happened? Oh, shit.
4: He's got light. Yeah. It used to never stay done up. You can see, like, it's starting to get dark already. You can see that kind of uh, dimness. Very dim. Descending. I mean... Yeah. I'm like, wow, I got two hours of mild
1: daylight without a... S- today. <laughs> yeah. Wee! Uh, and this is yeah. a new record for me in England. Yeah. But you know, the thing is that, like, in like my question is, why is it, so Se- people in Seattle are considered to be gloomy. Okay, yeah, And yeah. I think that's true. And yet, so why, why, but you know, Seattle's not any worse than here. Yeah. In terms of rainy darkness all the time. Maybe it's a little bit worse, but like, you know, maybe it's a little more consistently like just raining. I've heard rainy. that about Seattle as well. Um,
2: yeah, I Who mean, gives I don't a know. a shit about Seattle,
1: honestly, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it's, a, it's actually a charming city to me, so. Would to be, like,
4: be ideal for you to
1: eat, by the way? Huh? Okay. I, I can just eat, I'm just like, as long as there's a somewhat meat option instead of just uh, bread on the main, like in the cuisine, I can do it. Like oh, pub can, food, any of it. We can have a look at the menu, yeah. I guess. So. Yeah, so. let's just take a look. I mean, if there's like uh well, they have an all-day English breakfast at this place, but this is kind of shitty. Yeah, it could
4: be, could be good. <laughs> could good. Yeah. There's
1: a menu. Let's see what the menu is. It doesn't look
4: like it's very much. All pizza? Exclusively pizza this place. Yeah,
1: this is the, there's a salad. Uh, you can sell out the Caprici, but it's a minor. Well, um, there's another cafe there. Alright, let's it check it out. It like they were
4: doing too.
1: Let's see. Um, the Bumblebees. This has some stuff. It's very small. I mean I could do it here. Yeah, I could do
4: they have a lamb Yeah, I mean is it like uh, would you prefer somewhere a little bit bigger? Let's do bigger too. Yeah. All I don't am right. not yeah, whatever. Ooh, cool. I, I can
1: do here, I could do bigger. We could do a nice uh, I think the game is probably over by now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, definitely yeah. over yeah, by we now. We could find a pub or something. We could find something like that. Um, and get the gregarious echoes of English pub.
3: You yeah, know, yeah. post-victory, deep. uh, it all feels so good right now. It's the their
1: institution
4: wanna know. of the pub lunch.
1: Yeah, yeah the pub lunch. Uh, which I love, by the way, you know, for all the shit that English food gets and oh, deserves.
4: Yeah. it really does.
1: It yeah, really yeah. gets it, and it yeah. deserves it, I mean, you know, objectively. <laughs> but, like, also, I like the institution of the pub lunch. I like the fact Absolutely. that English pubs have food, which is not something that you can say no, of all need, bars. You need some deep-fried Yeah, sometimes, you know, that's just the... Uh I, I'm very, it's very important that pubs have food for me. And it's very important that also I like the Sunday roast tradition. Yeah. That's yeah. another good one. Yeah. Even though the wonderful. roast is overcooked, even though it's not the greatest beef, at least you guys have the right idea.
4: Well, this is like, you know, to do with like London being, well, England being gloomy, right? So you need these like big hearty meals. <laughs> right, to, to carry work. you
1: through, to, to carry warm
4: you up. true, yeah.
1: To uh, heat your old furnace.
4: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, we have all this like gross um, boarding school food, like all the, all the puddings over here are like- The puddings, yeah. It's like a, a, whole, a
1: yeah. whole genre of food that no other part of the world yeah. will even touch is the pudding, but the kidney pudding, the spotted dick.
4: But yeah, but if you go to a good, it's slow, like upmarket pub. Yeah. Like, um, you know, you get like a treacle pudding or something, which to me just generically sounds very unappetizing, but it, it, you know, you can get it there, it'll be fantastic. It will be really, really good. Uh, I, I'm, you
1: know, I'm of the view that even the most disgusting food can be good
4: if it's made with love. Oh, that's totally. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about that. Maybe this place yeah. works. Yeah. I've actually been here before. In
1: fact, there's the U.S. soccer game that's starting. Uh, their USA is playing Wales. Oh yeah. So there's probably some Welsh people that are going to be singing their. There's a little menu there. If you yeah. Want. Have a look. This looks good to me. Let's go inside. Cool. Marquis Cornwallis.
4: Huh? As long as the volume is all right, yeah. it might be a bit loud. Let's see, maybe uh,
1: over here. I think here it's quieter. Yeah, I think it's quieter over here. This is good. That yeah. no, seems oh, perfect. perfect. About right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, good thing
2: about having a birthday on a Monday, I should be able to find some pieces to eat. There's other options, I'm um, thinking now, we're trying to sound like that. Who we can eat, well, I can do that right now, because I've heard people put it in. It's right, yeah. the menus. Uh, yes. To, uh, Thank you.
4: There's some kind of, like, primitive. You know, musical pulse happening. Like, yeah, there is like a <laughs>
1: dude. <doo, doo."
4: laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like a sort of dwarven mining song.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's some guy just like yeah. just like <laughs> uh, flicking the string somewhere.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
4: Is that, is that like table numbers there, or uh, uh good question, I don't see table numbers. No.
1: We just have to hope that somebody pays attention to us, we, I, mean, I, I think maybe we we'll order rest- the possible. Oh, okay, I see
3: the
4: last Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I might get that like uh handmade scotch egg. That looks good, yeah. I love I love a posh scotch egg. And
1: I haven't had eggs, so is it one? What's a scotch egg? What is it? What is that? It will be
4: like uh, like an egg with like meat around it. Oh, like bread crumbs and meat. Oh nice. Okay. Uh, and yeah, if you get them in the supermarket, they're big for him, but Pubs do nice ones. Oh nice. Yeah, and I'll get one too. The hell with it. Scotch egg. Cool. And
1: I'll probably get I'll either get the schnitzel or the burger one of these burgers without the patty without the uh, uh, without the. Uh, oh, Cool cool bread do you want a drink? I would like a, a water, I think. Oh, uh, we're going to order up there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'll just, I'll have, I'll, I'll do, I have a water and a Diet Coke. But let's go up together and... Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> So, where were we? Um, We were at Philip Larkin and Poetry, and we're talking about... How you yeah, know the, the, the fascist the fascist effrontery of claiming that you are a poet or artist yeah, of any kind. Yeah, and I was thinking by the way that yeah, and you have this you know you provoke people by simply taking things seriously. And I that this is also I think the um, this is sort of you know in a different sort of way logo di- di- I don't know how to pronounce it logo Logo's kind of running provocation yeah. is how seriously he takes everything, yeah. Yeah. and he presents himself as a poet and as a literary scholar and as a religious, yeah. as a theologian, and yeah. he, all, all the yeah. things. Well, and half of it is an act, but he's doing he does it anyway as a prov- provocation. I think to to kind of you know
4: shit posters, and he likes to like provoke shit posters. Well, he's he's been doing these uh, he was doing these faces a little while ago. I think where he'd be like, come and debate me with this, and he was doing a really amazing thing where he was kind of like, um, I think because he he is also a great like media ecologist, yeah, and he understands the sort of like prevailing sort of like uh, strains of opinion and he sort of knows how to, uh, to play upon them in a way and like the, the, the sort of dialogue trees that kind of uh, develop on Twitter that you begin to like notice after a while if yeah. you've been using it for a while. He's very good at like... Self-dramatizing a um, argument with somebody in such a way that it like ends up fulfilling the point that he's trying to make. Right. You know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and that comes across on those spaces really, really well. Um, self-dramat yeah. Um,
1: it kind of traps them into a um i haven't haven 't listened to any of his spaces but i 'm trying to just go off of what I see in his long ass threads mm-hmm. and like how he kind of will like go into it and again a lot of it is a bit much for me because I see that there is a theater going on, sure. and when there's a theater going on, I'm like, you know, I mean, if I'm not, if it's not meant for me, if it's not a play that is being staged for my pleasure, I will not necessarily go see it. Like, yeah. but I can see that there's a theater going on, and sometimes it is staged for my pleasure. Um, and and uh, yeah, I can totally see how he's like like trapping people into basically
4: hanging, giving people enough rope to hang themselves with. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, I, I just, I do think it's like, it's in the service of the point that he's trying to make, you Right. Know. Um, but, I mean, and then, like, my experience of arguing with people is like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know I think one of the, the, the things I sort of learned from his account really is how to like hold frame you know um, and like so I mean like hold character hold frame uh, I mean in the sense that like um, um, What's the best way to like, express this? It's kind of like, it, keep your cool. In a way, you want, like the way I used to approach arguments is that like, you're trying desperately to convince the other person to come over to your position, but really the best thing to do as a kind of polemicist is you actually want to like um, widen the gap between you and the other person as much as possible. Very nice. Very true. And you you want you want to emphasize above all the distinctions between that person and and this is very uh, this is very useful because a lot of the time when you get into an argument with somebody one of the things they'll do is they'll try and provoke you by embodying your like the negation of whatever you're, it is that you're representing you know so they'll be like well actually I like doing this thing, or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and if you, and then you can just like really. The losing play, you know, just looking at this from a kind of like strategic point of view, yeah. uh, is to be like, "Oh, I wish you would! I wish you would uh, wouldn't see things that way," you know. But the problem then is that you've already like it's already exposed the kind of impotence about you, right? Right. Because somebody is then they're sort of acting without your license, and really the best thing to do is to you know be a realist about that and just accept the world is full of things that you're you know in your ideal world wouldn't be happening right but the next best thing is to just identify them and be like yeah, well yeah like, yeah because you know, you're like you, yeah because yeah. you're this that's yeah. why that's why exactly. you're this. because you're yeah. this
1: you're a yeah, dull yeah. fucking uh, booger eater that's why you don't you know that, yeah. it's and you know a more power to you for being a dull fucker booger eater yeah. it's yeah. not my choice I am the opposite of that mm. Mm. so yeah and here's another reason why we're different Yeah, 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 yeah. you also exactly. like yeah you also have a hair up your ass and I <laughs> <laughs> I have I have no hairs of mine, and you know, I'm just one of these guys that goes around without a hair up his ass and can walk like a normal person, but you, look at you hobbling around. I get it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. yeah. This is uh, something That's one learns game, right? from reading the great polemicists of the past, the ones that have influenced me. Like H.L. Mencken a great example. Cool, yeah, yeah. H.L. Mencken. H.L. Mencken's performance was not to attempt to, <laughs> uh, you know, speak in anyone else's language. He created his own language, yeah. and he fucking made it so charismatic, funny, interesting, like, just forceful, and powerful, that uh, when you're like, you've got H.L. Mencken on one side of the stage, and you've got all of the uh, anti menckens on the other side of the stage, Age. Yeah. the choice for a
4: young yeah. man coming up in this world could never be more clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am a Red Man can I've read uh, Ambrose Pierce. Right. You know, and like uh, of course. The, the Devil's Dictionary, the Devil's Dictionary yeah. which I feel Very like it's, it's kind of part of that same like tradition of like American satirical It was an early practitioner. And it's and and formical
1: wit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Very witty, um, yeah. yeah. I, well, he was, I, loved, I have Devil's Dictionary. I love Devil's Dictionary. Uh, there's a lot of overlap
2: in the
1: st- like you know, in, when you get one of Menken's christomathy you should just get Menken's Christomathy. I right, know right. that's the one that gets referenced in Gilmore Girls. It does. Yeah, well, it's, it's, just, a, it, it's his own selection of like just pieces from his pieces, not even full pieces, right? right. Oh, pieces of pieces, of, whatever he wants, and also some aphorisms at the end. It's like it's a, it's like a Menken, yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. It is what Christomathy means, which I didn't know until he defines it for you. Um, he's also very. His language is so baroque that it's just like constantly interesting because it's like. Yeah. He's always using fancy words in a way that, like, makes you want to look up what they mean because he's using them. What what I, um,
4: again, this is just the the impression I have, but, like, if I had to sort of characterize that kind of American... Tradition of wit, which I think is really deeply overlooked because that's something that's very associated with like the English social comedy, uh, yeah, and it's seen as a kind of British thing, but it is present in America. And it's like, I mean, you can see it's like traces and people like Huntress Thompson or, yeah, um, or uh, Kurt Vonnegut as well, like where it's this sort of uh, irony of thank you.
2: This
4: is I guess, right? Yeah. For a
3: non- um,
4: but it's like yeah. using that kind of regular yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You want to take some cutlery? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cutlery. Yeah, I do need both. Why is there only one? No, that's two
4: colors. But yeah, it's like using that like language, ironically, right? Yeah. Like where you're bringing to bear this very, very like um, you know, flowery or proper language to, to, to make very uh, to like expose the deficiency of the subject that you're you're yeah. using it to describe, right? Like, yeah. and it's it's something that's very funny. It's very like well done. Yeah. 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 Employ. Yeah. It is. It's also
1: a it's a real mob, as they say yeah because because especially at the time like well ultimately these are people who are being um, subversive yeah, and yeah. who are lighting firecrackers under the accepted received wisdom of their time and received opinions and journalistic bullshit and yeah, yeah. you know it, there's always been we, we forget because of because our journalism culture is so bad, yeah, and it's just completely a, a like ruins at this point. We forget that it always used to be shitty. I mean, there always used to be this app, you know, a uh, 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 hanging atmosphere, yeah. contemporary bullshit. Yeah. It's contemporary noise is the phrase that one of the Jewish intellectuals gave it um, of the 50s and 60s. I forget which one. Contemporary noise. You have to be able to hear through the contemporary noise. Yeah. And that's always been there. Always, always, always. Even though it's dramatically horrendous now at a level that has never been broached before, except in very small doses of hysteria. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's all scary about how it's gonna seem like no one's ever going to have be free of the uh, digital uh, locust of, uh, of of viral opinion now or um, assigned by assigned by your digital device it's been there forever and so when you have these iconoclasts like Mencken, beers whoever um, I mean not whoever very few that are in that that level like being able to employ the vast wealth of knowledge in the world against it and also, while being super funny and being super irreverent, at the same time as you're, you're you know, you're speaking the king's English in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time as you're making a vulgar joke, like it all together. It's a very yeah. synthetic style. It's it's super powerful. It's like it's, it's a total mug. It's like you got nothing on me. You don't even know what this word means, bitch. Yeah. That I'm using yeah. on your kingdom. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You're the king, but you don't even know what this fucking word means. Like I'm supposed <laughs> to. Li- I'm supposed to listen to you. You don't even know what the fucking language is. And. You're the king. You're 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 in the White House. Yeah. You're in the whatever. You're uh, Meghan Markle. You know what Christomathy means, Meghan Markle? You queen? No, you don't.
2: I, think, I, think, I do see Sarah as somebody who's been broken.
1: Nothing against Meghan Markle. Don't know the lady. It well, seems like a rather
4: annoying figure. Yeah. yeah. I remember her on Suits. In the little Suits that I watched. Oh. Um.
1: She seems like a rather annoying person. <laughs> like, uh, really bad. <laughs> I mean I really nothing against her person. I haven't I haven't chatted
3: with her yet. She's
1: not like a forthcoming guest. My producer, who is also <laughs> me,
4: has not has yet to make the, has the, yet to make the arrangements.
2: <laughs>
4: like the royal, the, the British royal <laughs> episode. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I had the Queen, but fucking she she left before she retired. She she fucking she kicked the bucket. She kicked.
2: She, she she stood
1: me up. Yeah. That's why you know you. Ate Excellent. 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 The, uh, you know I mean I have had now multiple eighty year old psychic multiple uh, more than 80 year olds on my like I've had me on my one yeah, yeah. two um uh easy to uh three I think I've had three over 80, 80
4: guests yeah. so that's nice yeah. if I think that you know they
3: spent that a whole month I've right?
4: yeah. laid like to have more yeah, elderly yeah, people yeah, on folks so if that's my PlayStation yeah I just have you know yeah I, I I'm I'm glad to have yeah, captured this
2: psychologically worrying
4: I was thinking earlier when you were talking about um, you were like more. Visiting, I always uh, used to like um, confuse, What uh,
2: it's
1: going to be four by the way with real, so I think so Sorry? You know, when Grill Marcus uh, comes on it'll be four. Well, he'll be the four.
4: Of, um, he, he must be getting uh, on now
1: as well, yeah. I mean, like I'm like guessing like he's like around two 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 early 80s.
4: Yeah.
1: That's so cool, like,
4: by the way. I'm, so, like, I'm excited.
1: I, I how how hope, I, hope I get there be and be hope it hope happens as well.
4: Have you ever
2: had
4: Elon Musk? Yeah. Maybe a hell of
2: a lot
4: of women. No. I always used to confuse him with Somerset Moore. Oh, okay. Gray. Because they're both drying around the same time, and they both have the <laughs> And then there's also WH Gordon. He's
1: healthy uh, uh, so stuff,
4: I'm I'm pretty sure. I know Auden was, but I think um maybe someone said Moom as well. They were like fans of Furbank, and you were talking about how like um was like looked down upon as a middlebrow writer, and it's kind of similar story with Furbank where he was like um. He was a real fad for a while. Yeah. So the sit wells like Osbus sit well and he did sit well were really big fans of his. Um, loads of people were around then. Like they're real like you know um, and then when the was it the Second World War broke out, everybody simultaneously decided that he was too silly and trivial. So all these people who had like said were singing his praises before. Yeah, it's like basically all the great and good of the, the literary world at the time. You know, Yeah. There was them that are quotes from that how great he is, and they appear on the you know the cover of the books. But then it's like yeah. a few years later they're all like disavowing him. it's like so. Tragic, like it's it it, it it you know it do be like that. Um, it fucking do be like that. It's like
1: now I don't think that now PG Woodhouse survived this problem. I think I think somehow he, although he was he was he got into a shit ton of trouble during World War Two. I don't know if you know about the PG Woodhouse. Yeah,
4: because if he was like, um, didn't he like he kind of blundered into doing some broadcasting. He blundered into
1: doing some broadcast for Italy. For yeah. Mussolini's Italy or something,
3: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it,
1: whatever. It yes yeah. yeah. I haven't studied the matter, but it's yeah. something like that. No, it's something it like he blundered into it. Sam, I don't know the details. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And I am not inclined Anybody's to. being treated oh. like that. Um, they're, they're I am not inclined to in the yeah, uh, yeah. assume the worst about anything like that. Yeah. Like same. Yeah. I'm thinking about... I'm thinking like. Oh, yeah. sure. Now that I know a taste of war, just has to be you know from a distance. Like World War II must have been a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah. through. My God. Like Count yeah. six years of
4: absolute uncertainty that anyone's going to be alive. Like. Well, um, Michael Moorcock actually has a—he a, uh, has a really great novel called uh, *Mother London*, which is about a small group of people who have, like, um, it, I mean, it's kind of like the, the conceit of the, the novel is that they have these like telepathic abilities, which allow them to kind of overhear conversation. Mm-hmm. But that's really just a means to have them kind of moving around through the sea, like roving microphones. Yeah, and it kind of moves through time, so there's a lot of uh, moments of scenes set during the Blitz. And I think that was a really formative experience for Moorcock himself, um, growing up through the Blitz as well. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really great kind of like... It's not what the book is fully about, but you get a real sort of taste of it.
0: When I got to fair town, not a soul would look up not a soul would look down not a soul would look up not a soul would look down to show me the way to not town
1: so Let's continue the t- the narration of your of your you know, how we came together. You start get you start getting generating you know, getting viral tweets and stuff, you start getting followers. Yeah a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um you, you you give an intellect you give a sober intellectual uh but you know critically sharp voice to the id-like out id like you know um rebellious feelings that are
4: simmering online. And you know, I try and be like, discerning about it as well. It's not just like, completely uncontrolled, it's like, right. Because I'm not like, I mean I think broadly I try and like I have a kind of uncontrollable sympathy, so it, it attaches itself to people pretty randomly. Um, and part of it is like this kind of sense of like if you want to be true to, you know, to uh, a general like tolerance or understanding of people, then it can't just be when it's convenient for you. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is a. It is a trick to
1: be inconveniently Uh, tolerant and sympathetic uh, to other people's, you know, situation. Um, I've noticed this quite often
3: uh,
1: because I'm older than most people in our circles. Um, Or just, you know, even if it's just by a little bit. Even if it's just, I'm not older, but I've been following this show, I've been watching this sport for longer. Like, literally, for, you know, since the year 2000 is when I started following the sport of discourse yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which even if you're old even if you're older than I am a lot of people just like start five years ago yeah like so yeah. you know so I see things where like you know I know I, 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 I see certain Pr- I see. I see certain, um, you know, more understandable reasons sometimes for why a certain person is chimping out in this stupid way. For why a certain person has this dumb opinion. Yeah, this yeah. fucking idiot re- retard over here. I get. I get, I kind of like. I sometimes can see where they're coming from, where it's not totally part of the the Liptard blob, uh, little thing that was created in the lab yeah, five yeah. years ago. Like I can see a lot, a larger picture for some of them.
4: But I think often what happens is like these uh, incongruous people are brought together by a shared sympathy in one area, right? Yeah. But then what happens is there's some kind of latent difference or tension yeah, and, out. and there's like a, a period where that's like a pr- productive tension, and it kind of holds people together in a sort of like magnetic. Yeah, uh, there's a kind of magnetic attraction there, right? But then what happens is gradually it's like, and then you can see this happening with this kind of tragic inevitability, where the two people you have you kind of maybe similar affection for, but there's some kind of difference between them, and it's not like it's a significant difference so, yeah, for you, it's like, but yeah. it's obviously important yeah. to them. And and it's just this sort of cyclical like, process of this like distance appearing between them, and eventually it actually erupts into like an open conflict. And uh, Yeah, happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's an example of of this in your world
1: of two people that? Like, what happens is there's a schism between two
4: sides you like, two people you like. I mean, I um, I guess there's like the you know, those like Catholic guys, the um who are like kind of (laughs) God help it, yeah. The the uh with their like cabinets and stuff. (laughs) Like that's the stereotype. The cabinet they've kind of become like a sort of a recognizable stereotype. And it's funny because I hear like because then they're you know, tourists might have all these like overlapping circles of people and and so it's kind of like they're complained about by multiple demographics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. and uh, you know I never had a problem with them but then I can also see how like it's just again it's like you see these like complex develop quickers uh, they're uh, they're kind of. I suppose like um, presenting themselves in a slightly like I- implicitly superior way, right? I would so, say it's quite explicit yeah. the way they're presenting. Themselves, I yeah, yeah. Mean, well, I mean, I mean, it actually, it is now. Yeah, you're right. I'm being too diplomatic. It's but. hyper. It's hyper explicit, yeah, yeah. and and at the same time as they as
1: any time they get they draw heat until someone says, by the way, if you're such a fucking uh, angel genius, mm. why is it that you're also a fucking loser? And then they're like. Whoa! what are you talking about why are you picking on me i'm just a little loser in the middle of nowhere here little uh mr nobody here so why are you mr big count big account person mr big city slicker why are you picking on me they do this fucking routine it's
4: really annoying so they're actually they're actually not uh, yeah well you can see how that's like part of their persona is about like leveraging this kind of authenticity
1: they have, right? Loser authenticity. Yeah. That's what their whole... They, they use the word loser on themselves. I'm yeah, not the so one using the word loser. Yeah, yeah. Although I agree with it in that case. So when they say loser, I agree with them. and We're 100% on the same page. But, um, yeah, and you know, I in the, in the case of those people, for example, I mean, I was friends, I thought, online friends with them for a long time. And um, the schism started with them being personally
3: you know, yeah. behaving in a
1: personal way, bad, yeah. bad. Yeah, like, yeah. not ideo- it's not it wasn't an ideological yeah. rift. Yeah, yeah. It turns into an ideological rift yeah. because when somebody is is shitty and get call, gets called out on being shitty, you know, as a morally shitty, it becomes. Re- they their their instinct is to make is to intellectualize the conflict and to blame you for being your, pro- your for you not for being morally judgmental of them. Yeah, they yeah, are. but for being uh, intellectually like opposed, yeah, like yeah. ideologically opposed or whatever, well, well, like being gay of... in, in in their version, they literally had to become they literally had to become mouth breeding yokel homophobes in order to justify their own shitty, annoying behavior.
4: Well, this is kind of the other side, though. Or, or like, I think the risk of like that sort of. Because there's an element to Twitter where you are always like self uh, like self-dramatizing, right? And like, so if you if you provoke an argument with somebody, then in in some way it's some kind of like theatrical like uh, demonstration that you're affecting, right? And I and I do this all the time as well. But I think that like where it really begins to turn sour is like if you actually develop a friendship with somebody, and then you start doing that on them. Yeah, it's like there's some I, sense I, yeah. of like a uh, a trust being broken or something yeah. like that. I agree, and I think that it's like it's taken very badly by people. Yeah, because it feels like emotionally like a kind of betrayal, because like, they're like, hey, I thought we were cool, like, yeah. and, and now, but now I'm becoming kind of like instrumentalized within your like narrativization of the, the yeah. point you're making, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And when yeah. I see, and, and there's
1: only a certain type of person who does that. And it's a, it's the kind of person who's very substacky, and it's the kind of person, or it's the kind of person who's like the Catholic loser dads who identify as like nobody. In their words, again, their words I agree, nobodies. Their words are nobodies, and it's like, well, we I thought we were friends. We weren't necessarily a nobody, and I and when I'm trying to, if we have a disagreement over something, because what they, what it started was is they just started picking on a, a mutual friend yeah, just yeah. for fun, yeah. like uh, and the mutual friend is Zach. Yeah, yeah. And they just started shitting on him because, uh, you know, QT'ing his, like, atheistic, uh, Baroque statements, yeah, yeah, them, yeah. like... And it's like, you know, random. as if he's just a random uh, a blue check that you're just going to shit on. Well, well, he's he's friends with some of us, and we like him a lot, so if you're just going to shit on him on the TL, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of being a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're just going to shit on a friend who's has not picked on you, I mean, he's not, you know, he has not been like... We're not talking about a, dis, a, a, an, a debate having been initiated. We're talking about somebody just doing their little performance on Zach is doing his. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just like deciding that this is going to become
4: grist for your uh, yeah, like content like For your content Yeah, metal, yeah. As, this, as a loser nobody in the woods. And it's like, okay, fine. But it's also just like, as well, is that I don't think that you can. There's a sort of limit to the extent that you can use somebody like Zach to juxtapose your own, like, you know, like blue collar of the. Zach is a fucking
1: complete unicorn out of like who's operating (laughs) in Japan, and you're treating him as this because he has a
4: and the reason. Go finish your thought. Well, um, but it's just like you know, ultimately, like Twitter is like inherently performance, right? So like, as much as like the the content of your actual life may be taking up with like cabinetry or, or or pleasant volunteer activities, as soon as they they are translated through the medium of Twitter into like posts, then they effectively become a kind of drag in and of themselves, right? Exactly. Do, um, do you want these uh, chips? Oh, no, no. Are you,
1: I don't I, I eat them. I, I have oh, to okay. resist, so please eat them. All, all, uh, I'll just, I'd love to eat them, but uh, I have to, you know, I, I have to apply certain hair shirts. But I
4: just think, life. like, I remember um, there was a guy who went on Zach's page and, like, um, screen caps his, like, you know when you hover over someone's followers and it gives you a little like rundown of... Right, right. The shit follow shaming. And I and I appeared in that list. Um, and they posted it and they were like, this is some person, I, I, I couldn't remember if they followed me or not, but they were like, you know, I, I suppose because I'm like a based account, uh, okay. or whatever that means, like, you know, they were like hey, you know, attention, you guys, why are you following this person, or, you know. Yeah,
2: anybody
1: who does that without, you know, uh, in public like that is just
4: absolutely, like, degenerate. It's just like,
0: well, it's a very simple answer,
4: right? Which is because I find this person likable and interesting, and I like the content that they've been producing. And they've also been very personable and friendly, and, uh kind to me. Right. And that like is something really that counts for a lot more. And that's really what's more precious than any like a sensible Ideological or cosmological difference in worldview, we might have. we might have, you know. So yeah. it's, it's really more about like, well, is there something that you know? Can we like produce something beautiful together? Right.
1: And the answer is always yes. It, yes. Or at least, at least if there's if there's genuine interest on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sometimes you'll meet. Know, sometimes you you are charmed by someone, and you you know get to know them a little bit, each other a little bit, and you realize, oh, yeah, maybe we're not. Too much of a there isn't so much chemistry uh, we're not as you know we don't click as much in person as we would like but no that's fine like no heart and no hard feelings but there is no reason why the the drag must be used you never use someone's drag against against them when they're performing like you're not you never mm. taps. you don't go to a drag show but people hate the idea of drag now right uh, these these uh, uh, fake moralist people um, you don't go to a, but you don't go to a show a, th- a play and then like tap the guy on the shoulder after the play the actor and say hey why did you say that in the play yeah, yeah you're like yeah. bitch it's a show that's what you fucking <laughs> idiot uh, you don't do that like you know you don't have a um you know, It's a very, it's an excessively, like, toxically feminine thing to do, which is to, which is to blame people for things that are have an obvious explanation. Like he's doing, like when God said, when Zach quotes, like how much he hates. When Zach tweets, this is one of the tweets that caused the rift. When Zach tweeted something like, I, uh, I hate God or something like that. Um, and, and what got me on the shit list? What got me canceled by the, by the. Uh, uh, by the uh, monastery of cabinet makers is I QT that saying if you believe in God you should not be roasting this tweet because it's a very um, I hate God is not it's not God does not exist I hate God is I am in a cosmic struggle with you know and you know with a with with an antagonist uh, which grants the existence of God is more, far more than any level of
4: indifference to that idea. Yeah, I mean if I was Gonna have a you know a cosmological discussion with uh, Zach about that. You know, if it was someone else, then I might like. Provoke an argument of some kind, or something. Yeah, this like random that. stranger. Yeah. But if i know he's a mutual friend. Well, with, with Zach, it's like, I'd be just curious to know more about his like perspective. And I mean, but also, it's like, I think that Zach is like tweeting really in a very specific like uh, mode, you know. And you have to sort of like take that into account as like that's the kind of medium of artistic expression or the like level he's working on. So I see these things. As, like being contextual, right? You know, the context is the, is, is the enemy of Twitter, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, and I understand as well that he's like writing into like a pre existing, Narr- yeah, voice, he's so into, into a, a pre existing conflict or a cop, yeah. or you know, so you know, that's something that I like I take into account. But I mean, I, you know, I couldn't really like, you know, I, I consider myself like a Christian, right? Like, like, so I believe in God and stuff, but I have like a very elaborate, like very um, carefully worked out understanding of what that means for myself. Right. And that's always something that's in like continuous development, right?
3: Yeah. But I also
4: just feel like I don't need to agree with everything that Zach says, and I don't need him to agree with everything that I say. Yeah. For us to have like a kind of positive, uh,
2: like friendship
4: or working relationship, you know? Yeah, but that's because your mind is
1: a is far the- Far more fertile ground than
2: than the, the mind of
1: a church mouse who has decided that his identity is to be a church mouse, not to simply, you know, nibble on the on the toes of anyone who insults the church, like uh, anyone who comes. I mean, I'm not Catholic uh, as well, so right. Well, which is which is another reason why. Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. I won't stop there on that topic, but, on, the, on the Catholic topic, but still, yeah there's a there is a, a an obsession among it seems the recently the recently awoken Catholics to really really guard the perimeter of their church at all costs, uh, which is, yeah, sure. okay, like, fine, if that's, your, if that's what you want to do, fine. But I'm not going to like, I'm not going to treat you as a fellow, as a fellow seeker of the divine if if what you're, all you're doing is protecting an institution. Well, I'm not really interested in that People person.
4: have assumed that I'm I'm Catholic. Because of, you take yeah. ideas seriously, theological ideas. And, um, I remember once, like, Combot uh, like, was, like, kind of challenging me about this um, because I made some kind of, like, you know, I mean, this is just a general structure of my critique against, like, you know, like the, the sort of, like, Blue Check Mafia, um, or they're not really the Blue Check Mafia anymore. There's now a new Blue Check Mafia, which is, like, all of our friends. <laughs> but, yeah, eight the $8 but, Mafia. Yeah, yeah. We were the eight dollar blue check mafia, but like, um, uh, you know, because there is like a complete like analogy there between, right, like like the, uh, you know, Blake's like critique of priests and priesthood and the church, right but it was like he was kind of testing me he was like and the same is true of Catholic church right yeah you know and I was like yeah <laughs> like yeah yes <laughs> I'm not I'm not Catholic yeah. I've never like presented myself as a Catholic as a, as a, like, you know I know he's so he's
1: like so is Campbell like anti-you now or what? oh he's always been anti-me yeah yeah well he's nuts but he um, another person has always been anti-you in a way I've never understood I I know I should bring this up, but if Amy Therese, what, what the hell is that about? She's obsessed with you for some reason, or was. I, uh,
3: I don't know wait. what that was about
4: because I was always kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I mean, too quickly. It was just like a, it's just like this shit is going Oh, no. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> she's like friendly with uh, benedict cryptofash oh yeah who's like another member of my like rose gallery. yeah um yeah he's become yeah and uh, and I think, I think that he like this is something that comes up a lot actually, you see this all the time, the people who are contentious on Twitter is because they have some kind of criteria of authenticity that no one else lives up to. Yeah. I just don't care about authenticity, I think that's like a circular issue. Yeah. Like... <coughs> Like people just are who they are, you know. But one of the bash has this thing to do with like which i I find very amusing where he is uh, constantly like Finding new layers of like what he calls security like tests, crypto libs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The It's just purity. It's just you know layers of purity. Time. And it's like I don't understand what the what this will lead or you <laughs> know it's no, it's, lead, it's, <laughs> it's it, it like
1: is, it has already led it has already led nowhere. It yeah. has already led absolutely nowhere, and it's just him being an it's just him yeah. being a sour bitch at everyone who is friendly oh, yeah. with him online, and it's just yeah. constantly really it's another content. It's another desperate attempt to find new content when you have nothing yeah. to say because yeah. what. It has been said what you what, what one had to say about crypto libs was said years ago and it's done. We're yeah, over. Yeah. Oh, it's over. That topic yeah. is over. The crypto lib topic is over. We've
4: covered it. Right. It's, also, it's I covered. Just, I just feel like it's done yeah. you, you know We're the, done. the other thing is as a just a gesture of politeness if someone presents themselves you know, in some I way unless there's some obvious quality of bullshit to it, I just think it's like, oh well there's no reason for me to approach this person so with right. like skepticism. Right. And, and it, assume it, it's, it it's a fucking no the Cryptolip thing obviously a very
1: uh, for it's time valid critique because there was a lot of people pretending to be uh, against the oppressive libtard regime but actually not being against it whenever push came to shove and there was a lot of false controlled opposition not 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 merely not uh, I don't mean in the I don't mean in the way of like you know literally planted beds, uh, which that's its own problem, also real. But, uh, but it just it self, but just by being a cowardly leftist, that's still a cowardly leftist. But your conscience and your sense of fun tells you that all the real act, all the action intellectually and all the cool people are not cowardly leftists. So you want in with the party, but you want to keep one foot in yeah, yeah. your safe zone, where when push comes to shove, you will once again be a cowardly leftist. And so I get that spiritual. Uh, 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 double, like, you know, double dealing, yeah. which a lot yeah. of people do, and which is very you know, easy to, but ultimately they're doing it because most of them are, are pussies, and not because they're, like, part of this grand conspiracy. So
2: it can be taken,
1: on, like, you can take take them on, like, individually rather than as this constant like, oh, here's another yeah. crypto lip, because you can by using that purity test, like that little purity crypto lip fentanyl strip, Yeah. Like, you can always find a reason. Oh, so I'm, because I'm in favor of, because I'm in favor of not, uh, uh, of not like erasing every entire his- the entire artistic history and the- of somebody who once had sex with a fifteen-year-old in 1967 or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. Therefore, I'm a crypto-lit because yeah. nebo- leftism Because what? Because what? Because what? It's like this. It's just just it's just it's just a self-created cultic um, litmus test. With, with,
2: with Amy, though,
4: she's so like. Um,
2: she-
4: I feel like she is such a kind of like. Uh, like open kind of polemicist right like where she like the target radius of you falling into her like scope of critique or whatever for her it's like so wide like she's battling like you know seven different like micro subcultures or groups of people simultaneously and I don't know what it was that like brought me into that scope. But I it's like hard to sort of take personally. Because I feel like she's so kind of generally combative, regardless, that I feel like I'm just kind of like uh, you know I'm just like an incidental target. Yeah, yeah. You just walked, walked into the walked yeah. into the fire, at some point. and I'm, I'm not entirely sure like what it is I've done that qualifies me for inclusion within it. Yeah. But that's something that's you know known only to her. I remember there was one time where I made some kind of like. You know, because I took about I've talked about like gender stuff a lot, right? And so I made this tweet that was like she interpreted it as insufficiently like trans critical, you know. But I you were trying to have it both ways. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, but you know, it's like I just don't. I I kind of resent being made to like prove myself okay. no I get it you yeah. know like in any way, nobody so should be nobody should ha- have I, that I uh, just won't feeling. do it
1: Yeah. you <laughs> know yeah, mon- um, yeah I mean the, the minute you expect the minute Yeah, I'm the same way I mean, the minute yeah. I'm expecting I mean I've been kind of free of these for most of the t- until the Catholics started to do their stupid shit Fake like generate a fake campaign against uh, me and Zach and Jack and stuff. I've been sort of in- inoculated from this stuff because it's so obvious that like you know like I predate all these people with their with their little based uh, things. So they kind of know that they can't really mess with me on that. It's on that front at all. But uh, the minute you expect me and I and I said se- I just intuitively sense the expectation mm. to do anything at all. Yeah. yeah. I'm, d- I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the yeah. It. yeah, and and not in a contrarian way necessarily, but it's a contrarian impulse. So I'm just like, it's not even contrarian. It's just I do not, I will not take orders. Period. Yeah, yeah. I will simply not take your orders, and I will not do it. So I will you will not, you will not, uh, uh, you will not tell me what to do. Yeah, and so I will look then for the. If you are telling me what to do, I will target you as someone who needs to be reprimanded, and I will look for the flaw in your in your uh, directive, and I will point yeah. out that flaw. That's my how I approach it. So that if you're going to become a trans uh, a trans critical uh, tyrant, and you're going to be say, telling people who were trans critical before you were, you're not going to tell me I've been trans critical since the minute it got off the ground, yeah, yeah. and I and I and I took the heat for it by actually trying to convince people not yeah. to become trans. Yeah. Okay, in my real life, I mean, yeah, not, yeah. Not, on fucking, not online. In real life, where you have to actually deal with people who then think that you're a monster because you broach the conversation. Do you really? Is this really the right thing to do? You're 19. You're 18. You're 17. You're 16. You're 15. Like I'm older than you. I, I have I have a in, I have this very very well founded suspicion of a medical cures to psychological ails. Because yeah. Yeah. I know same. I mean I just know that yeah, I, I just know that you're thinking Everyone your age thinks that this is problem that you have is the most important thing is 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 the be all end all whatever the problem yeah. is like that and I could be wrong I'm not saying I'm right like yeah, yeah. maybe you're right that this problem is so crippling to you that the medical solution is absolutely necessary to having a balanced life whatever I don't know I do know that it's very common at the age of 15 to see one problem to see one thing yeah. in life as whether it's your parents, whether it's your parents, whether it's your dad, your mom, your the, whatever it is, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, people you commit suicide because they break up with their girlfriends at 14, 15. Mm. And you're searching for a key. And you're searching for the key to all yeah, mythologies yeah. and you don't know that there is no key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know that yet. I know because yeah.
4: I'm fucking 30, whatever. And also the way that these these things that torment you intensely when you're a, you're a teenager have a way of like mysteriously resolving themselves
1: just oh, through you 100% growing. A hundred percent of the time. You know, mysteriously. I mean, yeah. they might resolve in the form of repression and then they might pop up again in the future. I'm not I'm not discounting any of that. Sure. There are, you know, that's fine too. Like you'll be ready. You you might be. Maybe this is a battle you don't need to take on until you're forty. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever the battle is, your parents.
3: Uh,
1: like people don't realize that. You know, a lot of the times repression is just a very uh, it's it's a it's, a, it's like an almost like a, a it's a survival tactic, and it's a way of delaying the war until you're ready for it. Like because you might actually be ready for it at thirty-seven or 35 40 29 whatever but you're not ready for it at 15 like you have shit to, you have to get into college you have to do your fucking shit so that's the perspective from which I was immensely skeptical of the trans yeah. bullshit from the very beginning from the trans like from it becoming this go-to solution for people who are yeah. Yeah. who are gender co- uh, dysphoric or confused or whatever so I'm not gonna take any fucking lessons from anyone in 2022 about how to be more trans critical like I don't need that I'm not, sorry I don't remember you Saying anything in 2015. But, I mean, so I, shut the fuck up, and
4: you know, with, with me, like there's a whole I've like developed a whole corpus of arguments that like people want to go and like you know read through my timeline. They'll they'll see all that stuff. It's like, but for me, a lot of these are just people who are late to the party, trying to make up for it by being
1: extra tyrannical. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It, it's always the case with second with with um, uh, with derivative with latecomers. With like that's why every movement goes to shit because the second. R- the, the disciples, yeah. or the disciples' disciples, they realize that well, they have nothing original to offer. because The movement, like Jesus, where was Jesus, Jesus existed; he was witnessed. Uh, like everything is like you missed the you missed the you missed the fun. <laughs> and now you're here. You're you're you going to take on you're 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 carrying on the legacy. You have nothing original to offer. So what you what you can offer is becoming excessively uh, punitive, excessively police. Yeah, yeah. What is and isn't.
4: Yeah the movement yeah and and I think that's something that comes after like the the vitality has begun to depart you know uh, and it's sort of expressive of that because it's at at that point where these like impulses or uh, or like realisations that are trying to find an out they have found that out and and then they begin to become ritualistic and they become like ritualistic sort of anchors that tie you into a group Right? Yeah. But really, like, the substance of what that group is about, again, has, like, departed. The the genius of it has departed, and it's just, like, purely. I mean, because this is the thing, it's, like, institutionalized. It's institutionalized, and it's, like, there's a sort of hardening or, like, a shell forming, and, like, I don't. It becomes a Catholic church. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, that's, like, literally the process. But, because it's, like, you know, I don't have a, a problem with, like, individual trans people (laughs) they might have a problem with me and that's something i'm completely reconciled to yeah right but um i'm not gonna like if someone is friends with them that's not a problem for me you know like i know a lot of like people who've like de-transitioned well uh yeah yeah
1: you know and my point was when we started this time when i started this tangent my simple point was that when people are telling me now that I'm not transcritical enough. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. after the fact, after I was transcritical in the, in the authentic genuine way from the beginning, yeah, yeah. people are trying to tell me who are late to the party that I'm not transcritical enough, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to start looking for reasons to, uh, to defend trans people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. shamelessly will do this because if you're, if you're on a, if you're on a, tyranny police track. I'm, I'm, my, my, everything in fiber of my being is to make you, Is not that you're the enemy, not the trans, not the trans to anything. I have no, and I have absolutely no qualms about doing this. Like, I'll always yeah, yeah. be like, no, now you have to stop and sit your ass, sit your white ass down <laughs> or your fat, hairy, Muslim ass down and listen to the trans, to the trans people. <laughs> listen to their stories, bitch. That's how my feeling is because now, you know, now the, 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 uh, uh, aggressor has shifted. Before it was, the aggressor was a trans movement. Mm-hmm. You, kept, you know, bullying you, bullying you into accepting everything Yeah. Now, if someone else is trying to pull you into accepting any, or do anything unquestioningly just yeah. to, to fill their thing, I'm going to, I'm going to, so roll listen on, on like, that shit. I just want to know, shit.
4: like, what, what's like the substance of that, you know? Because like, I, I I've like worked out my, uh, Uh, So issues with all of this stuff, I know where I stand on it and uh, you know I can make the arguments I need to make right but then if you're asking me to like if you want some addition to that like I have to know there has to be a good reason for it you know yeah it can't just be this again it's like purely ritualistic thing yeah either way it has to be a reason
1: yeah. the way it has to be like alright you know you know and I'm hypercritical of, I am hypercritical of a lot of anything to do with all the trans movement simply because I, I am I would love to to be trans people who are don't have aren't like 70% a GoFundMe account. Like I would love to meet one who doesn't have a GoFundMe, who isn't asking for money all the time, who isn't doing what, you know, who has a job. Uh, we met one, uh, 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 you know, very good ones, uh very um, charming Salome who I've had on the show. She's appeared she kind of appeared right at the No actually. I uh, I I'm
4: mean, yeah. a huge fan of uh, of Salome Friday yeah. the doll. Friday the doll, yes. She, very charming she, uh, uh, lady, I, I had her on my again un, 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 unreleased on the unreleased uh, tapes, the basement tapes.
1: Yeah, the York basement
4: tapes. And that's basement. actually what I said to her in that episode because we were talking about her podcast, The Dollhouse. Yeah, which I think is in a similar situation in terms of like episode releases and things like that because it's like these spaces that she does. Um, but no, I'm like I'm a, I, I would like to go on record and say that I'm a I'm a like uh, supporter of. Pariah the doll. <laughs> you know, like, are you? Do you give money to her
1: Patreon? Um, her, I don't me uh, to, the her moment. GoFundMe, to her go fund No, I no. just want I just, uh, want. I just want one to appear without any GoFundMe elements. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm hoping. I think the next step for the trans movement, if they're listening to me, is to produce a model of a trans person who does not have a GoFundMe, does not ask for money, does not beg for, like, we, you know, is not constantly being thrown out of her. Apartments and whatever, and like just a, a living on presenting a normal existence with the, with the you know within that within that identity or whatever. Like that's my that is my challenge to the trans movement to that. Please just give us one person without a GoFundMe,
4: please. It's like someone like uh, like. She's just an interesting person. So for me, that like the, the fact that she's just interesting and kind of compelling really like transcends any question of like um, yeah, it's all you
1: ca- that's all anyone cares about. Like, yeah, that's
4: all I care yeah. about. Like,
1: are you are you are you funny, interesting? And- are you a, no? are you an interesting individual. Yeah. Who is able to engage with me as an individual, and yeah. I'll be able to like enjoy each other's company. And you know, and it doesn't matter. Who cares what? You. I don't give a fuck what like what your sexual identity is at that point or gender identity. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would. I would. I would fucking. I would hang out with a with a muskrat if it was interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not. I don't care at the, at the human level whatsoever. And so. But it's
4: also, I mean, and that's the point where something has gone wrong, is when you begin to you do have some kind of, like, pre-existing rule, right? Of course. Determining how you interact with other people, right? Yeah, and additionally,
1: I would love to see how, I would love to be able to also notice how your particular, you know, um... Defying in whatever way I- identity um, yeah, yeah. or gen- whatever affiliation gen- yeah. what, how do you want to call it, orientation, whatever the fuck. Like I, I'm, I'd also, I also I enjoy being able to analyze for myself. And among the, the two of us, what, how that contributes to what makes you an interesting person.
0: I bought me a quart to drive gladness away and to stifle the dust for it rained the whole.
4: Well, I, I think what I was going to say was just that, like, I think so much of it, of the, uh, the kind of gender issue, right, is to do with, like, um, the reason why people develop these identities is that they they function as organs of recognition, yeah. right, and they're means of, of gaining recognition in a highly controlled, predictable way, yeah. And that's really like yeah, the, the 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 basis of my whole critique of that like mode of identity because I think that's something that's like developed directly out of the the kind of media environment and the way social media shapes and extends perception, right? Yeah. But it, but when you have people who people who who, who uh, they are not making a demand. recognition from you they have achieved an independent self-recognition of themselves right and at that level it's like what they're doing is a more of a kind of uh, authentic like artistic thing you know and that for me is like the distinction between you know between someone like uh, Salome and like the kind of stereotypical like GoFundMe person yeah you
2: know
4: yeah 100% it's it's a
1: you know everyone has a certain like and and we all we're all in this battle too it's not like i think i think i think one reason why Other than the fact that it was shoved down everyone's throats. But another reason why people are just kind of ceaselessly obsessed with the trans question on both sides, for no reason. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's such a tiny percentage of the population, even even in its overwhelmingly inflated phase, where everyone is, like, performatively being trans in some way in New York and shit. It's such a minor the reason we're so obsessed with it is because it, it is sort of like a proxy for absolutely all of our fucking uh uh you know uh, all, all of our like broken
4: ass
2: infusions uh, right now. yeah
4: and and you know something that's like been implicit in my whole critique of the thing from the very beginning is like this having this relationship with identity in general is like the trans thing is the most visible uh, sort of representation of it you know or example of it but anybody can have that kind of like dysfunctional relationship with identity right because all it really is you know is it's just this kind of idolatry it's like this deciding that there's one aspect of yourself that represents the true you right and then trying to to like bring the entirety and the complexity of yourself into something that is consistent with that narrow concept yeah you know? and that is like Obviously influenced by video games, by video games, by social media, yeah. by the general. Which is
1: like, a video game. Which the, is a video
4: game. The way we we're describing it, yeah. you know, yeah. like
1: I was just thinking the whole time as you we were describing like what Amy's doing on Twitter and what like we're doing, like Zach, and like it's like it's like characters in this war, in this like World War for World of Warcraft game or whatever. Yeah. I'm not an expert on these games, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's funny how like we're like in this digit, there's this digital uh, you know landscape. Yeah, and we've all kind of like from our little posts, from our little identity uh, with our little names, and here's a year. Here's Filthy Armenian. Here's yeah, um, yeah, Chee Here's Jack. Here's here's a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, rip-to-f- Benedict CryptoFact. And it's like, we're like the biggest bunch of Dungeons dungeon and Dragons ass nerds in the fucking yeah. universe. they're kind
4: of, they're kind of like <laughs> magical names. We're all these like magical creatures yeah. coming along,
1: but the, uh, but the weaponry is not, uh, digital, uh, you know, digital, uh, uh bayonets or whatever, the weaponry is
4: disco. i I'd say, by the way, that you know, I have no hot feelings for uh, Amy Therese, because it's like, you know, in a way, it's kind of like a privilege, <laughs> a privilege to be so because, uh
0: Sit down on a hard, hot, cold, frozen stone. Ten thousand stood around me, and I was alone. Ten thousand got drowned in that never was born. Took my hat in my hands for to keep my head warm. OK,
1: so what's the thesis you're working on?
4: Um, we have to bring this to a close Religious. sure yeah it's very like you know my account is really just a kind of um, like really scattered sort of like demo of the thesis you know Or it's essentially the same thing that I'm talking about it's it's very like focused on William Blake who's a figure that me and Logo kind of have in common as well Uh he's probably again more knowledgeable than me about him but um, But it's kind of basically taking uh, William Blake's like mythology as or his poetics as a critical system unto itself. Yeah. So the way usually these things work is you know you take your your primary text, right? We'd say it was like *Somerset Maugham*, and then maybe you would do you'd take some school of criticism, whether it was like Marxist or feminist, psychoanalytic, deconstructionist, whatever, and you'd you'd find something to say about. Warm through that lens, you know. What I'm doing is I'm taking Blake's like, like poetics, so um, be um, it's real. using it as a critical system, and what I'm using it to analyze is actually a bunch of uh, kind of non-fiction texts or like theoretical texts in their own right. So I'm kind of reversing it. Which kind you of you know? Can you name some of the non-fiction texts yeah. that I, I know? So one of one of them is is. Uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, ah. um, which is actually like full of narratives, you know. So, it, I mean, like the whole scene of the, 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 the uh, diversity seminar is like, it's really ripe for a kind of mythopoic, uh, structuralist critique, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm like reading it as a, like, a kind of uh, sort of human sacrifice event, yeah. you know? And I'm like, I'm comparing it to like, these uh, these different sort of like there, uh, there's uh, I'm also using Carol Bloom's like anxiety of influence quite a bit, mm-hmm. okay. and the images that he draws on are like Satan in Paradise Lost falling from heaven and that kind of thing. So that's in there. The uh, you know the story of Eden, Adam and Eve getting ejected from the garden is in there. Yeah, uh, because there's this like repeated narrative movement in White Fragility of like the you know the fall from white racial innocence and stuff like that. So I'm really using these like stories as as kind of ways of unpicking what's going on in a text like White Fragility. You know what's what's the actual like narrative mythopoeic? Yeah, that's being that's being you know, exploited. For, yeah, for, for, yeah. The, yeah, for the propaganda stick effect, yeah. but I'm drawing on like a variety of texts. Like I've got some Cloney Morrison in there. I've got like um, some some like Samuel Beckett. There's also some like images from from different texts. My my uh, like, some, my old friend Stephen Cox,
1: who's the very first guest of this podcast, under the name Filthy, under his own name, but well, the, the very first episode was with him. He's a uh, Literature professor um, who's just now retiring. His first book, his dissertation, is on the William Blake. Oh, really? Yeah. And and let me find the title. And it's also. I should look that up. It's published. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know, I haven't read that one. I've read several of his other books, but it's one that I'm sure you'll find of interest Absolutely. one way or the other. Yeah he's, yeah, he's an excellent. He's a he's a, he's an extremely. Uh, uh like lucid uh, analyst of all kinds of literary devices and structures whenever they appear and, and, and in, in particular like He's excellent at detecting parallels between literary structures, yeah, in yeah. any kind of story. I mean, this is it. Any it's kind of literature. This yeah, is really what I'm like exactly. interested in. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, that it's it's the job of a, of a literary scholar to do that. Um, Fox, Love and Logic, the evolution of Blake's thought. Fantastic. That's the name of the book. Love and Logic. Um so yeah i'm sure that, that'll be helpful to you and your research, yeah. research and so on um, and so yeah this is very i like i'm glad that you're working on a big major project that's so consistent with the online diddling that we're all doing you yeah, know? yeah. Like, you're very it, you, you have a kind of coordinated and there is, you called yourself discoordinated, but that's actually you're having a very <laughs> coordinated. Well, I'm, I'm physically and spatially discoordinated. You know? ah, well, yeah, sometimes that's yeah. needed to be mentally coordinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of fire, forces, like, yeah, it forces you to, to to focus harder within. Yeah, when yeah. you're not as you know. Um, and so how would you describe your uh, bringing it back to our connection how would you describe or link your, your our journeys together with your experience friday night like walk me through what it was how you experienced Arriving at the th- at the courthouse hotel on Friday night, meeting me for the first time, watching Invisible Republic, and then going out, and then being like, what the fuck just happened?
4: <laughs> oh, well, um... I'm assuming that's how As You know, as always in these situations, I was, like, very nervous. Uh... And, uh, hoping that I would make a, a good impression. Um... And, you know, I, I was also very excited. It's like a very nice, exciting thing to be like invited to like someone's film screening, and it's like very personal for them. London premiere. So, yeah, London premiere. London, London premiere. Premier. Um, um yeah, and I you know, I was looking forward to meeting you, uh, I think, like, so we'd interacted before on in the Back of podcast. Yes. Months do, ago, months ago. With, yes. uh, with Glenn. With Glenn, yes. Um, yeah, well, on the mountain climbing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun, but, um, you know, we hadn't, like, really spoken directly, I suppose. Right? So, um, yeah, I was, like, looking forward to getting, getting to know you better. I've been listening to, uh, like, Filthy Armenian Adventures since yes, you so asked me on as well. yeah. Um so yeah I guess like you know just this kind of mixture of different anticipations you know yeah um, but uh, you know as soon as I met you I was like I felt immediately at ease I feel like uh, you're a very comfortable person and easy to talk to and uh, that's my trick that's yeah, my trickery yeah yeah but I mean like you know it's you're the third person in real life that I've met from Twitter and uh, it's like you know it's no, not a great number but every time it's been really lovely so yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's, it's no exception and uh, I was so like touched and uh, moved by the movie Invisible Republic uh, which I will uh, be happy to like promote in some way. You know, I'll be happy if you, you so, if yeah. you come on my podcast. Then you know we can promote it there as well. This also just hit hit me like in a, like like a ton of
1: bricks, which is that you can the, the only way remaining to get to actually ensure that people will watch a movie like that. But even any movie, even any movie, not just that, even Blonde, even Terrifier too. I feel like. Even any
2: movie
1: <laughs> is to get them into a, you know, lure them into a room, into a theater, lure them, however, using all manner of, of, of devilry, into a theater, and then lock the fucking door. Yeah. And and so far of the one, two, three, um, four, five, six, seven, eight screenings we've had across from LA to here. L.A., New York, D.C., in here. Uh, no one has left a seat. No one, no, one, nobody's left their seat. So i pay t- I mean, I, I, I'm very, you know, sensitive to what audiences are doing in the fucking movies. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. And I was very, ner- I was very uncertain about how this is going to come off uh-huh,
4: because uh-huh.
1: I just know how much nobody wants to watch this movie right now. I mean, it, that, that well, you know, on paper, you're a straight to a straight to an exotic to you, not the case because you're you're being invited to a movie, but you know, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Like the people who know either know about it. Or who don't know anything about it and are just like coming in cold, without you know, without yeah. the excitement of this is uh, filthy Armenian thing. Uh, it's like, it's, it's, it, it was a very, I was very in a dark place about how this was all going to go. And so far <laughs> it's gone well, but mainly, but but, but, the, but the takeaway is like, fuck, I wouldn't trust anyone to watch, to just like watch this on their little screens at home where they're going to be on their phone the entire time. Yeah, but yeah. in the theater, they're trapped and they will literally not, unless they leave or unless they get bored, Yeah. Uh, they will be able to watch it. So I think we're going to have to milk that factor a little bit.
4: Yeah, we can. absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean... I, you, you know then it's like if you had to say to me like if, if an unknown person would to say to me like hey you know do you fancy spending an evening watching like a documentary movie about a like recent like geopolitical conflict that you know, know nothing about? <laughs> about you know then i would be like uh, you know maybe i'll just uh pass on that one right but exactly. i'm actually like it, I actually, uh, it sounds like kind of odd and slightly insensitive to say, but it's actually like a really entertaining, engaging movie. It's the best compliment I can, ex- it's you know, the best
1: compliment I can hear, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, the last thing I want to know is how uh, emotional it made you and how you <laughs> cried. I don't give a fuck. How many times did you cry? I just want to know that it's, yeah, it, it I didn't survives. Get, I, I did a, get teary-eyed at one point. I wanted, I, I know, but I'm, I'm saying I wanted to know that it, is, it survives on the purely insensitive level.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> (laughs) That's
4: what I care about. No, it was fascinating, it was engaging, you know. Um, And, you know, I I just, I was like never bored throughout the whole thing. I think like the narrative device of it is being like told through this. Uh, was it was name, Leica. Delika, Her diaries, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's like a very effective narrative device for like organizing the movie. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
1: which is why we. Yeah. That's why we came. You know, we thought of it that that would, it would be such, and I'm glad it's land. I'm glad it's working the way exactly the way that we hoped. But the,
4: the part that 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 like uh, really really got to me emotionally was the uh, there's like a father being interviewed about his son. Uh, you know, like an Armenian soldier has uh, been killed, and he, he, he discovers that his son was a smoker because in the effects that return to him, there's like the packet of cigarettes. Yeah. and it's like I found. I mean, I was like I was talking to my mum about that the next day. You know, and I was like telling him, and I was like literally tearing up, like telling her about it because it, it was so like uh, the pathos of it, of like. This, uh, in the mo- moment where the, his father loses his son, he also finds out some some aspect of his son's private inner world that he knew nothing of. Yeah. And there's something about that, like, mingled distance and familiarity that really, really uh, affects me. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like it's like one of
1: those, like, the ending of a short story by, mm. like, Catherine Mansfield or someone.
4: Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like this little detail that's the perfect. Uh, harrison yeah, and so, yeah. and
1: like that, and it's not just a cigarette, and it's not just the fact that he discovers something he never knew. It's like, what else do I not know? Yeah, and what else will I never know? Yeah, because yeah. he's never coming back. I mean, it's a, it's like all these, yeah, it's fucked, it's, fuck, it's, it's fucked, it's it's fucked. But it's a, it is a, a lot of that, a lot of that going around, a lot of like, and you know, I have a very. Um, it's just, yeah, worse. not fun when you're out of it. When you're in it, and you could tell that too, when you're in it, there's a, the adrenaline kind of, you can see, like, everyone was sort of like, um, they're not like cuddled and crying, no, no. you know, they're like activated. They're, well, they're taking care of each other. They're hiding in the bunker, they're cooking, they're doing this, they're doing that.
4: Well, another thing that I think is really great about the movie and what really comes across through it is like this huge sense of, um, of the Armenian people as they understand themselves as like historical subjects. Yeah, you know, and, like, it's like world historical subjects and that uh, the sense of sort of like hardiness and determination and uh pragmatism um, and the like total absence of self pity uh, were yeah i mean they were really striking you know and it, i even like found you know <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like with these kinds of things like no one is looking forward to the Q&A you know kind of thing but it was actually like a really engaging and, and fascinating Q&A and uh, um, I'm, I'm afraid I've forgotten your friend's name he, he was such a great speaker yeah as well he is um, so and, and just a kind of like charismatic presence so I was very happy to like you know go up to him afterwards and just like tell him how uh, affected i been by the movie and you know
1: yeah I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it had that yeah I'm, I mean I'm you know I'm always like I want to know what people like uh, you think versus like that you know that's the, the, the I want to know what how it lands on strangers to the story yeah because that's, yeah. that's what it's made for it's made partially as a I mean you know I hope that it has a of uh, repression curing effect on the Armenians who live through it and know yeah, what happened yeah. but don't want to look at this again Again, ever, but they need to because they need to kind of they need to also get get out of their trauma, yeah. post traumat their PTSD. Um, <laughs> but the, the the main designed and made for people who just have no idea what the fuck happened. Yeah, don't no yeah. idea these places even exist. Barely even know that Armenians are real. You know, yeah, yeah. if it yeah. wasn't for Kim. uh most people don't even know that Armenians are real. <laughs> yeah. Forget Karabakh. Forget yeah. Karabakh. Armenians. Did. Like they don't even know what Armenia. Or or, or such in my case. Or yeah. yeah, many yeah. People, also many for. System in yeah. search, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, you take out those two, yeah. and the number of people who even know that Armenians are real or Armenian yeah. is vanishingly small. It's yeah. more higher in Europe, but there's a little more, you know, it's close, Europe is closer, people are more specific. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, still pretty small. Yeah. Uh, which is a thing I've constantly had to, you know, which is one of the reasons why, as little as I've ever wanted to make certain of the movies I've made, it's been like, well, somebody's got to do Somebody's got a... Somebody. Some. There's a scream in the wilderness that has to be harnessed somehow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know. Uh. The kind of thing. Um. But. So I'm glad you had that
4: experience. Yeah. I also, like, I I ended up going out for drinks with some of the people that I met there as well. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to come, but and, I had uh, obligations. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally understand. But, like, but, uh, I, yeah, I ended up getting home at, like, six in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got your text at six, and I'm like, yeah. I don't think he's waking up now.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I was also
2: up till
1: six,
4: but. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, that was, like, you know, there, there were some, like, really cool people there. Yeah.
1: Uh, I ended up going to a, a night. Uh, I ended up going out, and... At the, after our obligations were over, I ended up like end, at the Coco nightclub. Oh yeah, I up, right. I ended up like, like, you know, hopeful flirting with this one dude who was there. You know, he seemed straight and all, but I was like, but he was like also not running away from me. Yeah, so yeah. It was a confusing situation, which I later have to slot as this is simply what happens in London. Is actually there are people. He's a Polish, been here five years. He's Polish. You know, good-looking, tall guy. Whatever. But like, and at the moment where you would expect a non-flirtation, uh, 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 someone who's not interested, to kind of, you know, find yeah. a way yeah. to go out, he literally invited me to go up to the balcony and talk further. Yeah. Where I was about to leave, I'm like, okay, so we did. And in the course of talking, all I mean, the bottom line is, I ended, up, I ended up telling him about the fucking movie, and he ended up like being genuinely interested in watching it. So oh, yeah. I ended up like yeah. selling the movie to one other viewer stranger <laughs> in fucking London that night. That was my night. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing the beyond that, but. So so that was my that was my club experience in London and fucking getting someone to want to watch a movie about the Karma war. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, like, wearing the, um... That I got from at 6am, got your text. I I was, like, wearing the, uh, cologne that I got for this uh, upcoming popular nationalist appearance. Yeah. Which is uh, Joven Sex Appeal. What is it? Joven Sex Appeal. Joven Sex Appeal. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I feel like it, like, it it must, like, work or something, because as I was, like, um... After the others had gone, and I was just like walking home, like, I just happened to be walking next to this girl, and she, like, gave me her number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which thing like, never happens to me. <laughs> but this is another
1: thing that happens in fucking London. Yeah. We've, I have London girls, like, these things happen in London. To, to me, as a sporadic visitor, like, mm-hmm. I, inevitably things like that happen. Yeah. It's around me. Yeah. <laughs> yet I'm never able to narrativize it like in in, in in as I do for like Germany Berlin you know you're like oh yeah this is the vibe there yeah there's all these yeah. little girls there you know, all these like pairs of women for, uh, quartets of women hanging out drinking flirting being social that, are that I have these pictures here it's all sort of as we were sa- as I was saying earlier there's a lot of like disorientation and like it's yeah, hard it's yeah. hard for me but it inevitably the experiences are there every single time where for whether it's you know, it's your cologne thing, or if it's not that, it's something else. Like I yeah. hear about it, I see it with my own two eyes. Like even even my stupid little Coco Club thing with this with this Polish guy who's yeah, straight, yeah. but he still had the time to like like want to talk outside in the freezing weather until like I got to the point of telling him about my fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This shit like this. So I'm glad that Jack got you a girl's number through his. Uh, yeah,
4: apparently, yeah. Whether whether she'll like uh, reply. is she Different question, you know. That's not because the, point. the uh, you know the perfume doesn't like translate. Like, no, but, but yeah, I think I
1: think our number one sense memory is smell, mm. isn't it? That doesn't mean More that way. I don't know, I, That doesn't mean that it's easy to remember the smell later, but it, when she smells it again, she's gonna think of you, mm. and she's gonna immediately text you. And she's gonna catch a yeah. whiff of it somewhere. You should go around London, run around London, spraying it, just so she catches a whiff of it <laughs> randomly to text it to you. She stood
3: so still, she threw me to the dead. She bruised my heart and bruised my shirt. From stir to settle, i mounted again. in And all my tentacles over the flame. And not a month down, not a soul would look out. Not a soul would look out, not a soul would look down. Not a soul would look out, not a soul would I'm With his hands in his pocket, I'm marching along. The night after, we're night in some town. Not a soul to look up, not a soul to look down.